We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! Welcome to the mouthpiece! Today's special guest will be Greg Fossilman Raymer and also Mike the Grinder Mizrachi. We're going to talk about what happened at the World Series along with anything else you want to talk about here on episode 13 of The Mouthpiece. Yo, 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 we're back and better than ever. It's been five long weeks since we had our last podcast, so we decided we're going to go two hours live today with a couple special guests. We asked kind of who y'all wanted, and uh, a lot of y'all said uh, Greg Raymer because you thought it was going to be fun. So uh, we're going to have Greg Raymer on the on the show today. Uh, we're also going to have uh, Michael the Grinder Mizrachi, f- fresh off his fifth. World Series of Poker bracelet. So um, the World Series is over. It's history. Um, I had a really successful World Series. It could have been much, much better. But uh, unfortunately, uh, things didn't work out. I ended up playing uh, 18 events. I cashed, uh, let's see, one, two, three, seven or eight. I think I've cashed seven. Seven of 18. Um, we uh, profited approximately 100,000. Uh, I'm going to put the numbers up on Twitter here uh, probably by the end of the day and then uh, give an, an idea how much we made for our for our fans. So, um, unfortunately... Uh, you know, things didn't go the way we wanted it to go. As far as winning a bracelet, I had guaranteed a bracelet. I had never done that. I probably never will again because I know how hard they are to win. Uh, our best chance was definitely the stud eight, uh, the last event, second to last event of the year for me right before the main event, uh, in which um, I had two million in chips with 17 people to go out of the nine million. Uh, proceeded to go four and a half hours without dragging a pot and four-handed lost a 2.5 million chip pot and where I was at least 97% EV to get at least half, if not all. So uh, that, that, that that pot really hurt us a lot. Now I talk about all that on my video vlogs um, on the YouTube channel. Uh, if you haven't watched the video vlogs, uh, you should stroll on through it. So for all you people who have pieces of me, uh, you get an actual idea of what was going through my mind on every break, uh, the hands I played, the hands I got beat, the hands I played bad, uh, and uh, unfortunately, uh, we didn't get it done. kind of sucked. But we ran into the... I told everybody we were going to have a good long main event. Uh, uh, this is going to be running for two hours, buddy. Uh, so, uh, I told everybody in the main event that we're, I felt like I was going to have a deep run this year. Uh, that's all I said. And I did have a deep run. Unfortunately, uh, a big hand came up, a 2 million chip hand in which this guy could never call, but he called and that's what they always do. So they don't even pay attention to the fact that I had played like one pot in three hours and raised the guy on the turn. 
because he could beat nothing but one hand, and I happen to have the one hand that he could beat. But I, I actually felt like I was ahead when I raised him, so it wasn't like I raised thinking I was behind, but he couldn't beat anything. Uh, so uh, that hand happened to be uh, two, he had two black queens. I had ace-jack with the ace of hearts, and it came jack-six, deuce of hearts, and an eight on the spades when I raised him. So uh, I had never uh, put in over... 300,000 in any pot the entire day five. Uh, so I don't know what he thought I had. But anyways, um, you know, that didn't work so well. I was looking forward to the 3K horse. Uh, I thought I played really good at 3K horse. I actually, uh, you're going to see uh, my um, uh, video vlog for that will be coming out also. Uh, we're a little backlogged on the video vlogs because uh, we had to do the main event. I wanted to do the main event after the study. The main event, since I went to five days, had probably four hours worth of content in it, maybe more, and we have to uh, narrow that down with a lot of editing. So after that, you'll you'll hear about my um, um, horse tournament in which I had the greatest starting table I had ever had in my entire life. We actually had a guy who was capping it dark without looking in his hand because he, after he signed up, he decided he didn't feel like playing. So he was trying to give away his chips, but the deck wouldn't let him for most of the day. And of course, the guy that got most of the chips ended up finishing second in the horse tournament. So that just goes to show you what table draw really means. Uh, I ended day one with 13,000 in chips. He ended day one with 90,000 in chips. Not to mention that he beat me every hand and beat the other guy every hand. So table draws everything, and that's what happened in the horse. A uh, little bit disappointed with that, but everybody begged me and talked me to go jump in the 5K turbo, which I didn't have as part of my package. And then uh, somebody said, I'll put up half, and I said, okay. They talked me into it. We end up getting 30th in that, and uh, that was a real big disappointment. I mean, we got our money in three to one favorite uh, for a little over 600,000, which would have gave us uh, close to 20 big blinds. I was playing great, so that was a real disappointment. And, uh, and then I decided to go to the Venetian because I felt I was playing so well, and uh, that was a disaster. So uh, that's kind of what happened with the World Series. It was it was a lot of fun this year. Uh, I was 100% pain-free for the entire World Series. There was a few days I came home um, in which I uh, was a little bit sore. Um, and then I would kind of jump in the bathtub with some Epsom salts and get myself to sleep. But... Overall, um, I felt zero pain for the first time in four years, and um, it felt great. So it was really weird. So going into the last three events of the World Series, I was like four of 15, and I was miserable as can be because I knew how good I was playing, especially after cashing the first two. I cashed uh, the first two Omaha 8s, finishing 15th and 17th. Uh, going to day three and winning zero hands or zero annies in like three hours uh, really sucked. Uh, but it was a good start to the World Series, and I was expecting really huge things. 
And in between there, I had uh, two main caches, and then uh, I was a little down, and everybody says, well, you still got the stud eight, which is probably one of your best games, and um, and you still got the main event. And sure enough, we got fourth in the stud eight for 116,000, and um, and then uh, it's a far cry from the 400,000, which was up top, uh, which would really have uh, got me back on my feet pretty good. Uh, uh, but I'm happy, you know. Um, I, I finished it off with a good run there, a good run in the main event, and then uh, finished it off with the uh, with the 30th place in the 5K Turbo. So uh, it ended up being a pretty good World Series for me. So I look back, um, we go back now the last three years. I was I've now cashed uh, 22 of 53 with six final tables in three years. So uh, I'm not trying to brag or anything because I don't have any gold to show for it. But uh, it was it was great, you know, to uh, to say that uh, I I've cashed about 45 percent of the tournaments I played the last three years with six final tables uh, and four or five of those were in the 10 case. So, hey, for the people out there to think I can't play, well, that's they can go fuck themselves, as you know. Uh, but uh, I just, uh, this was the first year I've re- literally had no pain since 2013 when I won my last bracelet. Uh, I got sick in 2014, uh, and uh, well, here we are five years later. And for people that are just tuning into the show and kind of don't know the backstory of my injury, uh, I just had a severe spinal cord injury. And um, they put a uh, what's called a uh, spinal cord stimulator in my back, and uh, that's this thing right here. So uh, it's like an electrical device. They uh, they put a battery in my back. I could turn around and show you all, but yeah, well, fuck it. No, I don't feel like getting up. So uh, this little electric thing here. It basically controls my whole life and it blocks pain signal to my brain, which has allowed me to have a life again. So uh, I'm pretty uh, happy about that. Um, also, uh, we're going to uh, look at uh, what's going on for me coming up this week. So I'm going to be playing live on Poker Go uh, tomorrow, Monday and Tuesday at uh, 2 p.m. Uh, and it's on a half hour delay, so it'll probably be 2.30 uh, my time for you guys. Uh, on uh, day one, it, I'm playing with uh, Berkey, Randall Emmett, me, and uh, uh, Dario, and uh, Hus- uh, Hussein Ensan, the guy who won the main event. So that should be pretty good. Playing 25.50 with two guys that just won 10 million and 6 million playing for 5000 a hand, I don't know how good they're going to play. So you add that with Randall Emmett, who who loves to gamble. And this should be a lot of fireworks. It's going to be a very big 25-50 game uh, tomorrow. And the following day, uh, uh, we have uh, Brandon Cantu, Berkey, Randall Emmett, uh, a couple others. So uh, we got two good lineups. I think... Uh, 
I really do think the on Monday is going to be a little bit bigger game because you're playing with two guys that just won six million and ten million in the main event. So uh, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to tomorrow, uh, as well as I'm looking forward to uh, this uh, this podcast today. So uh, that's what's going on with me. What we're going to do is uh, right now is we are going to go to our phone call segments and we're going to be running these phone call segments all day. Uh, but um, first we're going to take a couple of phone calls for me and then we're going to call uh, Greg Fossilman Raymer and then we're going to take phone calls for both of us. So uh, let's do it. Let's light up the uh, phone lines there, buddy. The mouthpiece. If you'd like to take part in our phone call segment, you can give us a call at 702-329-0480. And if you're a snowflake or a pussy and you don't want to talk to me, you can email me at mouthpiecepodcast at gmail.com. Also, follow me at the Mouth Mattiso on Twitter for times that our call-in segment will be live. All right, guys, the phones are going to be lighting up. Hit it. Call on in. We'll answer your questions. We're here. We want to know what you want to talk about with me. Call us, 702-329-0480, and I want to hear what you all have to say. Oh, yeah. That's a good thing somebody just put out there. Uh, yeah, congrats to uh, Chris Moneymaker for making the Hall of Fame. Yeah, okay, that's a fucking joke. Um, and uh, David Opie, uh, he's real good for poker. He hates the world, but he is a great player. So uh, uh, he does deserve, he's probably one of the best players I've ever played with. But uh, another snub by me, but that's okay. I'll... Uh, I'm happy with it. It's all good because I don't really give a fuck about it. The only reason why I wanted to get in the Hall of Fame this year is my dad's been real sick for the last uh, four months, and I wanted to do that. A moneymaker never played high stakes. Yeah, well, not not only did moneymaker never play high stakes, uh, did he ever win another tournament? I mean, Chris is a great guy, and he's a, he's really a good player. I mean, he's 100 times better than he used to be. Uh, but... Uh, you know, uh, I love I love Chris. He's a good guy, but it's just... Oh, we got a call coming in. Let's hear what we have to say. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike. What's up? Hey, Mike. Um, my question for you is that do you think that mathematically poker is profitable in the long run just by itself? Uh, yes, if you are a person that don't really have much talent and if you want to play mathematic poker, GTO and ICM... I do believe that in the lower stakes games, you could profit uh, playing play mathematically. Yes, I do. Uh, and the lower stakes? Yeah, and especially online. You know, but when you're uh, uh, playing bigger, uh, and we've talked about this, uh, you know, live is, I, I just don't think GTO and, and ICM is that important playing live poker tournaments. Uh, but that's my opinion. I might be wrong. Uh, but I've, uh, I don't know nothing about either one, even though I'm learning it now. Uh, 
Jonathan Littles helped me a little bit with it, and um, I, uh, I, I, I'm doing, I'm doing fine. <laughs> I'm so doing basically, low, low stakes online is in your, um, yeah, Matt, profitable yeah. When, when you hear GTO ICM, they're talking. That's more for more for online poker more than anything. But uh, you know, I could teach anybody how to make five, ten thousand a month playing poker with no talent. You know, you just got to play fundamentally solid. It's not really hard. Anyways. Uh, How do we sign up for that? <laughs> uh, well, I am uh, starting. Uh, you're going to be listening to the podcast all day today. I'll be talking about my, uh, I have a teaching site coming out. Uh, I'm going to be teaching mixed games, split games. Um, I'm going to be, sign, people will be signing up for my Omaha 8 or better and study 8 or better and split games. And they're also going to be, uh, doing some no, a lot of no limit with uh, with some people. So uh, stay tuned for that, and okay, uh, you check in. All right, you. we'll talk to you later. Bye. Love you, brother. Take yeah, care. Love you too, man. All right, that's a good phone call. Let's see. Let's take one more phone call before we call Mister Fossil Man, Greg Raymer. Welcome to the mouthpiece. It's Mike. Yo, yo. Oh, Hello. What's up, Matthew? Where are you from? I'm from Boston. All right. Speak up a little bit. I can't hear you. So, okay, so I, I noticed you said you had cashed 25 out of 50 times over 20, the last few years. 22 for 53. Yes. Right. I was thinking maybe if you lowered your cash rate, you might win more often. Uh, well, I did, I did make, uh, one, in, um, almost 500,000 the last three years. So, um, it has nothing really to do. I, but all, all my caches have been the final two tables. It's, uh, you got, you got to make some hands when you get, uh, deep in events. So, uh, you just put yourself in best position to win. And if, uh, the cards fall your way, you win. If they don't, they don't. And uh, the guy that the guy that won the study told me he'd never had a better run of cards in his entire life of his of his entire life. So, you know, you can't overcome that, and that's uh, that's all you can do. I see. I play locally in the New Hampshire card room, mm-hmm. their charity room, but yeah. none of them re- none of them report to the Hendon mob. So I have tens of thousands of caches mm-hmm. that nobody knows about. Right. Because they don't report to Hendon Mob. What, what can I do to change that? Uh, go out and play on the circuit. <laughs> go out and play the circuit events. Go out and play the WPT events. Go out and showcase your talents. That's what I say. Fucking do it. Okay. You know? Just, okay. just go All out right. and play two or three of them. See, see where you stand against the best. All right. All right, my man. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Hello? Yes. Mike? Yes. Can I say hi to Joey Panic? You sure can. You got it, buddy. Hi, Joey Panic. Thanks, Mike. You got it, buddy. Take care. All right. So what we're going to do now is uh, we took a couple phone calls, and and, uh, we're going to call one person back that we missed because uh, we don't like missing people's phone calls here on the mouthpiece. So we're going to call him back. Hello? Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike. What's up? Sorry we missed your call. Hey, Mike. What's going I on, man? Just, I was uh, wondering how you thought the state of the cash games were this summer. 
Uh, I did not play any. I was focused on just the tournaments. But I have a lot of friends that did, and they said they were not very good. Um, I agree. <laughs> I, I mean, everybody I talked to said that uh, they're 100 times worse than they were any other year. Now, I did talk yeah. to a, another friend, Kuko, who told me, well, that's because most people were playing tournaments, um, and they'd come Yeah, in. I think the Lord Brian brought a lot of the people from some of the smaller cash games to right. play tournaments. Instead. Well, they yeah. Are, yeah, they are. And the thing is, is uh, but he told me that uh, the game, the, the games were really good between one in the morning and nine in the morning. And because everybody was, that were playing tournaments were sleeping and then they'd come in before like the the restart started or before the next tournament, the 3 p.m. tournament started, and then they play and try and make their buy-ins for the tournaments. And uh, But he says that's when they stunk. But late at night, he said they were good, So uh, especially the last couple of weeks. But I have no idea. I just go by a couple of really good friends that play anywhere between uh, 8160 and 4 and 800, and they, they told me the games were terrible. So. Right. Uh, well, thanks for taking my call. You're very right, welcome. Yeah. Thanks for calling, and uh, and we'll talk to you soon. And uh, we'll be Take here care. all day. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. All righty. So what we're going to do now is uh, we're going to take a few-second break. We're going to call Greg Fossilman Raymer. Ready? I think so. Okay. Greg, can you hear me? Hey, hey there we go. We're in action. So, um, you know, I uh, how you doing, buddy? Where'd you go? What the fuck? It hung up. Reconnecting. Poor connection. Poor connection. Poor network connection. Poor network connection. Hello? 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 All right, I'm here. Yo, How about you? Yo, yo, Mr. Fossil Man, can you hear me? I do right now. You do right now. We are in action. We have no video for you. Now we have video. Okay. <laughs> so everybody's like in the chat. They're like, this is hilarious. Well, well, that's what you do when you deal with Mike the Mouth. You get funny shit that happens. So uh, here we are. Uh, how's it going, buddy? Well, I think it might be it might be all my fault. My like Skype crashed twice in yeah, this process. We're pretty so. sure it's your fault too, but we didn't want to like totally accuse you because we spent like twenty hours getting this ready, called like ten different people, made sure it all worked, and then we have you, my friend. Then, then you fucked it up, Greg. But it's okay. You know, I don't know if you've been watching. That's all right. I don't know if you've been watching. It won't be the last thing I screw up this I, in this world. I, I brought out the little Greg Raymer, Mike Mattiso bobblehead dolls. You see them? I, I, I saw them. that. Yes. I yes, like it. Yes, everybody. I'm like, hi, Greg, what's going on? Hey, Mike, you fucking asshole. No, fuck you, Greg. You got fucking little cojones. No, I don't. Ah! Okay. So everybody was like, uh, they wanted to, uh, a lot of people wanted, since it's been 15 years since we, uh, had our little craziness and we've become pretty good friends over the years and uh so uh how um how's everything been 
Oh, things are fine. You know, nothing exciting or, or, you know, no real newsworthy results this summer. But at least I turned a profit, well, which, that, you know, is better than most people who go to Vegas for the summer. Yeah, that's that's the bottom line. Turn a profit, you know. Uh, you, I, you know as well as I know how hard it is to win bracelets. Uh, but if you can, uh, as long as you kind of turn a profit for the summer, that's all that matters. And uh, you know, bra- <laughs> bracelets on top are good, you know. Uh, Elia Lezra won a bracelet this year and lost probably 300,000, you know, in, in the tournaments. Uh, I didn't win one oh, and, well. and, and won a couple hundred. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it is what it is. You know how that is. And, um, so what's, uh, what else has been going on? Uh, I didn't, uh, I noticed I didn't see much this summer, but you were probably playing the, the no limit events. I was playing the, the big mix games. I saw you in a couple of mixed tournaments. Uh, what do you play mostly? Um, I I love all the other games. I mean, No Limit Hold'em is my least favorite game. Mine too. But the the problem is all those other games that we love so much, the draw games and the stud games. Yeah, they don't make great tournament games. Right. Well, they 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 they. The thing is, is. Um, what people, a lot of people don't understand um, about, let's just say the 10Ks, okay, is they give you so many chips. Now, granted, they're hour-long levels on day one, and you got to make it through day to day two, but um, there's a lot of play in them. And if you could get out of day one with like a hundred and third, like double starting stack going into 90-minute levels, it really gives you a lot of play. And um, you could, you know, you could end up, uh, where in the old days you had to play a lot more hands, uh, you can play a lot tighter, and uh, you really don't have to win that many hands because the levels are so long, being at 90 minutes. So even though it was uh, really tough for me in the 10Ks all year up until the last couple, I ended up cashing, uh, I think it was three out of eight, uh, but I was one for eight uh, going into the last couple, so... You know how that works. So it's uh, if you don't cash the ten Ks, you're gonna have a losing summer if you're playing them. And uh, lucky for me, I no, I, I get that. And there's obviously, it's not that all those games when you're playing limit poker don't involve skill, mm-hmm. but of course, what happens in any limit tournament, you know, like even when you look at the fifty K back when it was just horse, right? Um, it. Still, it was five days long to go from 140 players to a winner. But by the time we got down to like 40 people, the average stack is going to be like 15, maybe 20 small bets. Now, now that and that just means you you lose two ordinary hands and you're out. And which is what my biggest proponent in tournament poker going around, especially at the World Series and everywhere. And on every single podcast, I will bring this up. And on every single podcast, I will push it. For change, which is max late registration. Letting people buy in on day two is a travesty to poker. Um, and uh, I just think more than six levels is a travesty. More than two levels is a travesty to poker. But at the World Series, because they have so many events, I don't mind six-level registration. But if you look at the top five in, in player of the year, um, two of them, Max late reg every single tournament. 
Uh, last year, there was four bracelets won by people who max light reg day two. This year, there was three. Okay. Tournament poker has always been stay alive long enough to give yourself a chance to get lucky. Just like you said, by the end, everybody, the biggest stack has 20 big bets. You know, they're letting people buy in on day two with three court with uh, 75% of the field out with uh, seven and a half big bets. They win their first hand and now they're rolling and they're cashing and and they're on their way. Now people say to me, well, why don't you do that? Well, it's it's a lot different. See, the people who have a lot of money can do that because if they don't win the worst first hand, they go to the next tournament. If they do, they're, they're, they're going to cash and, and give themselves a chance to win. Uh, because I, me, and I think you too, uh, we sell a lot of ourselves on uh, stake kings or you stake. And uh, I, I can never show, I don't show up late when people are, are buying part of myself, especially at, at any kind of markup. So uh, that's where uh, I have a problem. Uh, the fact that they, even I even, I even talked to a, a higher up at the World Series and I told them, that uh, being letting people buy in day two of the main event is is just a travesty. I mean, you're talking about a third of the players are out, uh, and they're letting them buy in with a hundred big blinds. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's so stupid. I don't know what. Well, you probably about. saw. I mean, you know Kenny Hallert, and yeah. he published an article recently. He found someone with a computer science background to help him out. Right. They came up with a way to do that ICM calculation so that you could estimate the value of a stack, right. even when there were still hundreds of players left in the field. Correct. And I think what he found, you know, was that letting people buy in like that when, you know, 30, 40 percent of the field is gone, when half the field is gone, um, they were gaining a lot more equity than yes. I would have guessed. And I think a lot of other players might have guessed. Well, I, I knew how big it was. All you have to do is. I, is look at the results. I knew when Chris Ferguson, who hadn't played poker in God knows how long, shows up and he's winning player of the year and and has a chance again at player of the year uh, and he max late reg. That's all you need to know. And he's all about math. I mean, he you know he built the software when yep. so so he knows math and I knew it was big. Uh, knowing that your money is worth almost your chips are worth three to one. I did not think they were that big. I was a little shocked, uh, but I figured it was close to two to one. And uh, it is something that all us poker players have need to need to push for next year. Uh, that needs to be getting rid of. And if you talk to people at the tables, everybody, I, I was talking to a guy whose, whose net worth is uh, over eight figures uh, plays a lot of super high rollers too, and he told me that uh, the max late reg is awful for poker, and he says it is totally unfair and wrong. Uh, and if you and but people don't understand, like I said, is they say, well, why don't you max late reg? Well, the bottom line is, is people don't really know the poker world. Like at least forty percent. I'm going low here. Uh, because I don't want to sound stupid, but probably probably closer to 70 percent uh, are the people that are playing all these tournaments are getting staked uh, and uh, they're not going to max late reg on somebody else's money. You know, and it's uh, if I had the money I used to have, I would 100 percent 
max light reg. All you have to do is look at Phil Hamith. He even the turbo, the last one of the year, he max late regged with ten big blinds, and he finished fifth. That's all you need to know. He te- he max late regged ten over ten hours after everybody started <laughs> playing with ten. But but the thing is 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 he realizes that you know in a turbo nobody has more by that time than than twenty big blinds. So you know he wins the next hand. He's like got a top stack and this is what the world series of poker doesn't understand tournament poker stay alive long enough to give yourself a chance to get lucky it's always been it's always been um everybody starts on time everybody gets the same amount of chips uh and it, it levels the playing field and they need to do something for the record you're gonna just kill the rec the recreational players are gonna say fuck this you know what i mean they're not stupid i mean Look at uh, Stephen Chibwick didn't play all summer. Not only did he late reg the 25k high roller on day two, he late regged it max late reg two hours into day two when there was like 70 something people left, and he got 20 big blinds, 20 big blinds in PLO with no antes. <laughs> you could fo- he could fold for he could fold 30 hands in a row and 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 then boom get it all in with the nuts three way action now he's got 54 big blinds and at the end when you're down on the final table i mean nobody has more than 50 to 60 big blinds so letting people max late, late reds on day 2 is a travesty that i will do everything in my power uh, through social media through my podcast to eliminate now during the World Series, there's so many tournaments that when they had six-level max late reg, I had no problem with it because that made the people have still have to play four hours the night before and come down, and there and then it gives them a disadvantage. But not having to play the day the first day and being able to play the day two, and uh, it's just it, it's just not right. It's unethical. It's bad for the game of poker. And uh, it really bothers me. That's one thing I want cleaned up in, in, in at the World Series. Well, it's just a balance. I mean, the tournament directors are trying to make as many players as happy as possible, but they're also trying to maximize revenue. Yeah, so but... go ahead. It's it's one of those things, that, especially if it's a one-bullet tournament, like all those 10Ks you're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, the 10K championship events for the stud games and the draw games and, and, and the horse and all that. Those aren't rebuy. So it's not a question of keeping registration open so that someone who busts in level eight can try again. There, I'm not really sure what their big incentive is to have late registration to the beginning of day two. Oh, I'm not sure that gets them more players or more revenue. Well, what, what So the only question is, what do they think most of the players prefer? Right. I mean, they're, what they do, I mean, and, and they, they would have like, like even like those 50Ks and those 100Ks, um, they see they start with 99 players. There's 23 left going to day two. Now 25 people buy in on day two with uh, 15 or 20 big blinds, and uh, that's a big edge. I mean, Daniel busted the 100k on day one, bought in day two, and he uh, finished second. I mean, he bought in when 75 percent of the field was out of the 100k. Because he has the money to rebuy bullets, uh, and anybody who could tell me that this is okay is 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 just 
just not it's just not it can't be okay it's 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 reentry is for the wealthy just like one of my guys just said on the chat it's uh, uh they're they're rewarding the people that play in bobby's room that play cash all night to come in and have a chance to 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 win a bracelet and uh i i i don't think it's right and i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i can to at least eliminate day two starting days and uh I remember too in those that 25k PLO. Not only is is Chidwick allowed to buy in two hours in a day two, he's also allowed a re-entry because it's a one re-entry tournament. So this is um, uh, uh, I'm not not taking anything away from that. Uh, I'm glad you actually won. I had him on my fantasy team, so it was good for me. But uh, uh, <laughs> he comes. I picked him up. For, I knew he wasn't going to play playing many tournaments because he had, just had a baby. So I got him for like a dollar. <laughs> he fucking picks off 102 points for me in one tournament. So that was pretty good. But no, but I don't, I just want it to be fair for everybody. I don't think it's fair that people are grinding 10 hour days and basically, unless the deck hits them in the face, they're grinding 10 hour days for one hand. And that's what it comes down to because if they're letting people start, like I start. My good days of the 10Ks, the ones I've cashed, I started day two with 125,000, starting four and 8,000 limit. Well, if you start with 60 and you win your first 10, what do you got? You got 125,000. So it's 10 hours for one hand. The only difference is you have to win that one hand. The other guy, like me, I could, I could lose two. Now, actually, you know, it's seven and a half big bets. It's, uh, if you're a good, uh, tournament limit player, it's actually almost two hands to the river. So, uh, these things need to be addressed. Um, they did fix the 1500 structure, so unfortunately they did it two weeks late. I, I'm just wondering who they're listening to. I hope to God they're not listening to Alan Kessler on these deep chip structures. Now, I wanted to play more No Limit this year, but everybody I talked to in the 1,000, 1,500 No Limits said, oh, you get all these play on day one and by day two, and, and if you get the final table, it's... It's a uh, it's a shove fest. There's no poker left, and uh, that's where they need to make the adjustments. They need to go to Matt Savage uh, structures, especially in the I think 1500s next year. Uh, whether it's limit or no limit, it's 30 minute levels on day one, 40 minutes tops. Uh, I would go 30 minutes in a no limit, 40 minutes in the limit in the 1500s. Go to hour on day two, and uh, once you get the final table, we go to 90 minutes and. Uh, and now we are an hour and 15 and uh, that's when the play starts. That's when, where the, all the money is. You want to, you know, as well as I know is you want to have play where all the money is not, not, not at the beginning where nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> well, it's, it's another balancing act though, because the thing is, even though it actually isn't to their benefit, I think the recreational players don't like to enter tournaments where they feel short stacked at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So even if you convince them that, like, hey, look at you well, know, that, when you're playing against Mike Mattisell, when you're playing against Stephen Chidwick, you'd rather start off with a 40-big-blind stack than a 400-big-blind stack. They don't like it because they feel like, well, I want to be able to survive if I get you know one or two unlucky hands right. and still have some play. And the thing is, you know, for any tournament, it's, it's all about the time. So if, uh, if I'm in charge of an event, and it's going to be a three-day structure, if I have to give you a lot of play early to get you to buy in, then I have to take away play somewhere else. Well, that's the thing. That's why I say uh, 
give them the chips, give them the play, but 30-minute levels on day one or 40. Um, the mistake they made in that big 50 is they wanted a 50-minute levels because a big 50 and it was a cl- complete clusterfuck. They should have had 30-minute levels, uh, and uh, that would have fixed that. Now, uh, you know, I've been, I have been talking about also uh, with some higher-ups about the main event um, with uh, – you know, uh, trying to make it not now that they're running tournaments during the main event, which started last year. Usually the main event was the last event of the year, as you know. Uh, so they started running yeah. tournaments went during the main event. So I said straight out, well, what you do is just start the main event early, two days earlier. Uh, days one and two are five levels. And uh, after that, it's uh, noon till nine, no dinner break and four levels a day. And it doesn't become a, a an absolute uh, marathon uh, endurance contest. Now, a guy I never thought a guy over forty could win a main event again. But you know, the guy won. He's fifty nine years old. Uh, but there's a backstory to that. This man uh, works at, worked out like three hours a day. Was like in the best shape of his life because he knew he, what it was going to take to grind through that many days. Uh, so. The only way somebody of, of an older age was going to win the main event is somebody that worked out religiously. And poker shouldn't be an endurance contest. You know, it should be uh, based on uh, on how, uh, you know, just your, your skills. So uh, we they, they like that idea a lot. Uh, and they, they might end up putting it in because they, they have to go five levels the first two days because there's just too many players they have to get rid of. But after that, uh, they go four levels. Uh, it would be like noon to nine with no dinner break. Everybody gets home early. We don't have to unravel to get to sleep. Everybody gets a good night's sleep. And uh, and you don't have people, you know, grenading their chip stack because their brain is complete mush by day six or seven, you know. So, um well, it's still when you're that deep in the main event, it might be hard to get a full night's sleep, no matter how much time you have. Yeah, but if you get if you're off at nine and you got to be there at twelve, you have plenty of time to to unwrap to to. Oh no, that you know you get. A I massage, don't ever have a problem. You get a, you'll be able to get a massage, relax. There's so many things to help you sleep. You know, one thing I did oh, learn no. is how to sleep. You know, uh, well. For me, like when I won the main event in 04, I had no problem falling asleep every night because I was so tired from the day. Mm-hmm. But then when you you know wake up five, six hours later, now I couldn't fall back asleep because right. now that I'm not desperately tired anymore, my brain starts racing and, right. you know, who's at my table and, and, and how many chips do they have and, you know, what strategies do I want to consider because of the seating and... And I just can't stop thinking about things. So then I wouldn't. I'd lay there in bed well, I for think, a couple I, hours, I think, and then finally. Go ahead. I, I think I think you put too, much, too kind of too much into who's at your table because the tables break so fast in the main event. Like I made day five. Oh, well, uh, that was then. Yeah, that I was made, then. Yeah, That's I the made first day, time yeah. I was anywhere near that deep. Right, and I never even. I never even looked who was at my table <laughs> that one time because I uh, I really didn't care. <laughs> I was uh, I didn't know uh, what how long the table would stay together, or what the breaking order was, and you know once I figure out who had what, how I wanted made chips, and you know it takes fifteen twenty minutes to kind of adjust. So because that's uh, uh, what I uh, thought. 
Um, so what? Anyways, uh, what else has been going on? Anything new? Uh, let's see here. I guess I, I, I can plug this for you. My new no, book. Plug anything you want. Came out this. Yep, yeah, my new book had come out this summer. I was there at the Rio at the the DMB publishing booth selling it, and uh, so if people are interested, Fossil Man's winning tournament strategies. You can. Uh, oh, I thought find I thought, it in your normal online sellers. All right, sounds good. I thought I thought the name of the book yeah. was called. Ace Jack of Diamonds, How I Busted Mike Madison in the 2004 Main Event. <laughs> I don't think I even mentioned that hand in the whole book. How could you not and, mention and that hand? How could you not mention that hand? Me, that hand was the catapult. To win me, the, how did it feel to bust Mike Madison? And I'm like, I didn't bust him. Mm, he didn't bust no. for like, uh, it was like an hour or two later. Longer. Time after three, that about, before you about three him. hours later. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny part, you know, <laughs> I remember your brother, your brother reached out to me after that aired on TV Yeah, because before they cut after that hand, when you busted and they cut to commercial and they had a picture of me from one of those lipstick cameras on the table uh-huh. and I made a comment, Mike was going to go broke that hand no matter what. Right. And yeah. your brother reached out and was like very upset as if I was saying, no, I know what you meant, you know, because. Because if he doesn't three bet, if he doesn't three bet and I shove in, you're going to call with eights and I'm going to go broke. That's what you meant. I knew what you meant. Yeah, because there was an eight on the flop. Right. So that's all it meant was that without the third player, I'll play my pocket eights and and the ace king was. So you were just going to take a beat that in no matter what happened. Absolutely. Just because of the arrangement of the cards in the deck. It was just spectacular. I had to go in spectacular fashion. You know, a lot of people. Uh, I think I've told I've told you the backstory of this, in, and I've said this on my podcast many times. I've said it. I in my life have played up to the camera one time, and that was the one time when the cameras kept coming over the table, and I we had the bluff, and I said the the rude things to you. Um, that was the only time in my life. I, I didn't even. Ever, I didn't even know the camera was there. Yeah, that was the only time in my life I saw the cameras coming, and I said, oh, "I'm going to throw a something funny." You know, I I, I wasn't. I kind of got out of line, but I wanted it to be kind of, you know, something that would stick. And that was the only time, and I and I mean that. I swear to you guys, uh, the only time in my life I ever I saw the cameras coming. I said, "I got to play up to the camera here." But other than that, I, you know, you know me as well. <laughs> You've known me for what, 15 years now. You know. Uh, what you see is what you get. I'm the same when it's <laughs> away from the felt or on the felt. So, uh, you know, but I do, I do put wear my heart on my sleeve with that. So, uh, you, you know, and I know you do too. So it's, uh, it's really important in poker to, uh, to really put your, you know, you really have to be engaged. If you don't take it personal when you lose, if you don't get upset, then you're not normal. If you could just go into a tournament and say, nice hand, walk away and don't think it bothers you, I, I just don't believe it's normal. So, uh, you know. Well, I have a good plane to the camera story for you if you want. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us all. So I heard this one from a friend of mine, and this is from the World Series, one of the preliminary events. I don't know which one, 10 to 12 years ago. And so this is like one of those ordinary $1,500 buy-in bracelet events, you know, and it's – Middle of day one, and it involves Phil Helmuth. He has been losing all day. He's gotten fairly short stacked. He now opens, shoves the button for maybe it was six big blinds or something, you know, relatively small. Right. And this kid in the big blind who had a lot of chips calls him with king-queen. Mm-hmm. 
and he ends up catching a king or a queen to bust Phil's A7. Mm-hmm. And Phil starts to stand up, and he's like, well, I guess it just wasn't my day. You know, have fun, everybody. You know, just some simple nice things. But as Phil is now standing up, he now notices one of the camera crews from ESPN several tables away, and they'd just been shooting B-roll footage. Uh And they see him stand up, and now they start running over to film it. Uh So he's already done, like, a nice, polite goodbye but he stops, turns back to the table, waits for the camera crew to set up and get in place. And then he starts berating the kid. How could you call my shove with King Queen? You know, you know, I have a pair or an ace at least. And that, so he does the, you know, the stereotypical Phil Helmuth rant at the, at the kid just because the cameras got there. Phil plays up to the camera. I would say, <laughs> I'm, I'm be honest with you about 10% more than his normal seat. So, he he nor, he's normally nuts. I mean, he is what he is, but he does play up to the camera a little bit because uh, he can't help sure. himself. Uh, you know, that's who he is. You know, and uh, but not that much. Like uh, Phil Locke, he plays up to the camera. He, I mean, he's nothing like he portrays himself on. You know, the camera. Same with Antonio. You know, uh, they both play up to the camera a lot. I, I that's the one thing I I I, I like about people who show their natural personality uh, that don't, that show their emotions on their sleeve or, or the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. Um, Daniel's the same way on camera or off. Um, He, you know, he just likes to have fun playing. So anyways, uh, you know, that goes there, but we're going to go to our phone call segments. Uh, We're going to open up the phone lines to everybody. So uh, I'm going to keep you talking, and uh, anybody out there uh, wants to have a phone uh, uh, question for me or Greg or both of us at the same time, give us a call right now, 702-329-0480, 702-329-0480, and uh, me and Greg will be more than happy to answer some of your questions. So... Um, us doing this uh, first live broadcast, uh, you know, I'm glad you uh, people. I'm, uh, just, I'm just showing your audience that I have ears. So apparently, there's a bunch of people in the chat that think I don't have ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure why. I don't. Know. I guess if I had ears that stuck way out all the time, they'd make. <laughs> My words, Greg's ears. <laughs> uh, there's here's our call. Let's see what we got. Welcome to the Mouthpiece. This is Mike the Mouth with Greg Fossilman Raymer. How's it going? How's it going? It's going great. Well, you have any questions for me or Greg today? Hello? Greg, you still there? Oh, sorry. Yeah. I, I think I lost you for a no, second. Yeah, so if, yeah, if you asked me might, something, I didn't hear it. Yeah, we uh, the phone call came through. I'm wondering if with the phone call coming through. No, it came through fine yesterday. We should be fine. Uh so uh, call on back. Come call back, seven zero two three two nine zero four eight zero, and um, you uh, have a chance to talk to me and Greg Falsaman Raymer, and uh, we are uh, waiting your phone calls. Um, so you made a profitable World Series. That's good. I'm glad to know. Glad to hear. Uh, let's see. What, okay, Thanks. let's answer this call. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike the Mouth with Greg Fossilman Raymer. How you doing? Oh, am I on? You are on. 
Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Hey, it's good to hear. Good to yeah. hear both you guys. Yeah. Just lower yeah, your Mike volume in the background. In, uh, Buffalo, New York. Okay. And uh, first of all, I just want to say that book of yours is fantastic. Anybody who hasn't read your uh, your book, Mike, is missing out. Uh, check it, raising it, the it's devil. Just really awesome. Yeah. It's, it's it's just fan. It should be a New York top seller. It, it's that good. Yeah, well, I if I had a I mean, if I had a publisher that was worth tulips of a shit that didn't steal about two hundred thousand from me, it probably would have been. But yeah, because anybody who it's out there, you can get it on Amazon right now. I mean, you get the book. I'm telling you, people, you'll it'll be happy you did. But I got a question for you. Since I read the book, okay, I, I seen that part in about being bipolar and taking medication. Yep. And I don't think everybody knows how many how many things you want. Yeah. I mean, you are crazy. You have won a lot. Yeah. As great as anybody. Yeah. So my, my question my, to you is. Go ahead. Yeah. My question to you is, do you think, do you feel that that medication that you were prescribed throughout your life has cost you in the long run to be known as, you know, the greatest ever? Because you're his, historically, you're, you're fantastic. Yeah. And I, I, that's just something I got out of the book. Uh, well, the medication has helped me. Um, what, what has hurt me was the fact that I did do, uh, recreational drugs in 2000 and 2001, uh, which kind of burned my serotonin receptors. I used to be, I have a, a memory and I used to be a sharp, uh, whoever as anybody, people walk to the table. If I'd played with them once, I remembered exactly how they play and, and all their tendencies where now, unfortunately I have to take a little bit of Adderall to focus and um, so it, 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 and plus getting older and, and being on these meds that I'm on from the uh, surgery that I had, that was the being on the opioids and the gabapentin the last four years uh, really, really was tough to deal with. And um, now that I'm out of pain, I'll be getting off those after the World Series. So uh, pain hurt me more than anything after the surgery. And uh, before that, uh, you know, I was doing great. So uh, I appreciate uh, the, the compliments. And uh, do you have any questions for uh, Mr. Greg Raymer? Yeah, you know, after you won the World Series and you came out of nowhere, and you know, you're the hero, you're the champion. What What did you do? I mean, do they give you, like, a room and not want you to leave the casino so you blow a million on the tables? I mean, do they treat you like, you know, hey, don't leave here? Or, or is it just you do, you know, you leave and that's it. And I mean, what, is it, what what actually happens after you win the World Series? What's the next step? Well, I'm sure if I had been sitting at the table games playing big, they would have said, sure, here, you know, free room, food, blah, 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 everything to keep you here and keep you happy. But I'm not really a table games player. Uh, before I got into poker, seriously, I was a blackjack player, but I was a card counter, which means they wouldn't want me to be playing regularly all the time. They would, you know, if they knew I was counting cards and, and was a winning player, they wouldn't comp me and ask me to stick around. Um, but other than that, you know, like I was a full-time patent attorney. The only reason I quit my job is that now I had a more dependable source of income because I was being offered good money to represent an online poker site. So it was kind of like, keep my job and get less income or quit my job and make more money. Well, let me ask you this. What's the one thing you regret 
Everybody talks about all the great times. I'm sure you had all the great times. If you could do one thing over after your victory, what would that be? Hmm. Good question. It, it's 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 hard to answer that perfectly. I mean, the the biggest negative to winning the main event was that now that I was playing poker full time and most of that's tournament poker, I have to travel around. So I used to be, you know, pretty much a regular nine to five job and had every evening and weekend with my wife and daughter. And now, you know, I'm spending half the year on the road away from them. So that's the main downside, you know, from their point of view, me winning the main event and getting this money and, and stuff wasn't really a great thing because now they missed out on a lot of time with me. What do you guys think about the new breed of poker players that are representing what you guys represented? I mean, let's face it. There's been a, there's been a change of faces. There's younger guys now. I mean, I'm seeing, I'm seeing what uh, disgusts me is these guys, uh, you know, Deeb uh, did that to you, Mike, the one day with the uh, slow roll. Uh, I mean, he thought it was funny. I, I was just pissed. Did you see my Did you see that. my video on uh, Sean Deeb? Which one? Well, the one where he slow rolled you out. No, did you see the video? My, on my, go to my YouTube channel. Uh, check out my videos, uh, Markup Police, where I imitated Sean Deeb. It was pretty funny. I made a lot of fun. Uh, of him. It was pretty cool. See that what, I mean, what do you think about... It's hard to like these. I mean, I'm sure they're great guys, whatever you want to say, but, yeah. but it's hard to... You know, to like they, them. I'm going to tell you this, people. and I don't know. Uh, and then after this, we're going to have to get going because we have other other people calling in. Uh, yeah. The new breed of people come from the internet, and most of them ha are probably geeks that have had no social life and don't know how to interact with others. So they have, uh, yeah, they don't. So they have really bad uh, etiquette at the table. They don't know how to act because they've never been around people. They're used to being behind their computer, and uh, that's what I say to that. And as far as the new breed and the way poker has evolved, um, the only thing that's changed more is they give you more chips. So instead of the term, no limit terms being played mostly pre-flop, they're being played all post-flop. And that's what I have to say to that. Any, any, anything else you want to say, Greg, to that? Greg, well, it's like I said, it's a different game. We've learned a lot of skills you know, that we just didn't know about. There were things that you and I did in 04, and, you know, we were amongst the better tournament players in the world at that time. And some of those things that we did regularly then, we now know are not really the best basic strategy anymore. And, and we've changed, adapted, improved our game. And a lot of that came from these guys who learned to play on the Internet. And it's not so much because they were playing online and playing millions of hands of online poker it was more the way they learned things because they were doing that math analysis because they were, they had access to tools that didn't exist, uh, you know, in the nineties and stuff when you and I were, were starting out or eighties or nineties. Um, you know, we couldn't do poker stove and things like that where we could say, Hey, look at this. Like, even if he calls my four bet shove bluff and I have do seven, you know, against top 10% of all hands that he might call with, I'm still going to win. 25, 30% of the money. Right. We didn't know that kind of stuff. So we wouldn't know that maybe that four bet shove as a bluff wasn't as bad a play as we thought back then. Yeah. Hey, we got to go. We got other tons of other calls coming in. I got to pick up at least one, maybe two more. Thanks for calling. Okay. All right. Thank you. You, you got it. Yeah, we're on there.
there too long, but that's okay. You know, we're, we're going to pick up a couple more phone calls between uh, me and Greg Raymer, and uh, then we're going to move on on to our next guest on our special two-hour edition of The Mouthpiece. Oh, we're calling back. Okay. Yeah, this is what we do in The Mouthpiece. We call people back. Hello. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike DeMouth and Greg Fossil and Raymer. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good, man. We call you back here on the mouthpiece because, you know, we get locked up on the phones. We want to make sure you get your questions in for both of us. So, uh, welcome. I really, really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Big fan. Um, just wanted to hear your opinion on a few things. And I liked where you guys were going with your conversation about the late Reg. And, and there's another side to that uh, coin. I want to give you my experience with, I played a handful of tournaments, was there for most of the WSOP series. I pre-registered to every single tournament and on almost every single tournament, I waited one to two hours to play because not enough players showed up. Do you feel like that's an issue? And do you feel, how do you feel the recreational players feel about that? That's, that's one of my biggest things. You're a hundred percent right. It's not fair uh, to the recreational players. They show up on, on time. Sometimes they're playing, there's three or four tables going and then all the late regs come in and then they drag you off that table. Back in the days, we used to have to show up on time and if you showed up on time, you got to play a lot of times with rec, recreational players, and you got good table draws, which gave you the best chance to win a tournament. Now, you show up on time, you get punished for it, because uh, there's like... You're, I, I couldn't agree with you more. 100%, I felt like I was punished you're, every time as a person that's coming with cash, going to the Rio the night before, registering, showing up on time. Correct. I in the in, I don't remember the tournament. Maybe it was the double stack or the millionaire maker. Right. Would you believe if we didn't get started till level three? I do. And I'm not a recreational player, but the sour taste it left and the, at, at everybody I could see at my table, like how tilted they were and upset over the situation. I just think WSOP or any tournament uh, market in itself, we're catering too much to certain individuals they or are. pros in itself when the target market is the rec players. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am going to be pushing this narrative for the next year until they fix this. It is, we we are in the business to get recreational players, business people, people that come to the World Series that want to enjoy their experience, not have to suffer, play shorthanded, move from table to table to table because all these other people are late regging. I, I have a thing, if you're not there by the end of level one and you stand in line to late reg, instead of them picking from your table, they all play together. Let all the pros play together. You show up late, you get punished. Not punish the people who show up on time. That's my opinion. A hundred percent. And there's also, I, I'm glad you mentioned something. You're sort of hitting a, a tip of an iceberg there. Mm -hmm. Who does that favor when we have to play? Because I understand shorthanded ranges, the dynamics of shorthanded play. Mm -hmm. When you're a guy coming, especially, let's say, for a big 50 or one of these Colossus-style events where – you know, these guys play one, two, no limit or some home game. They're really taking a shot for the travel, the right. airfare, the hotel. It means a lot to them. And then they got to play five-handed with three pros. How yep. do you think that makes them feel? Uh, it's the same thing as 
re-entries, okay? I am against the super late reg and against re-entries. I'll give you, I'll give you a, 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 an example on this, and then I'm going to let Greg answer your question. Um, before I got sick in 2013, the, uh, the Seminole Hard Rock in Florida had their first $5 million guarantee. Um, 5000 buy-in, unlimited rebuys. I bought in 5000 I finished 53rd. I got coolered. Uh, where Justin Bonomo won the event and was had bought in nine times. Now, for the three or four hundred people that want a satellite in, and let's just say, I don't know, three or four satellite winners busted Bonomo, and then they find out Bonomo won the tournament. Would would you ever want to play a fucking another tournament? I mean, you'd be. Sick and and here, something. here's here's one thing I want to say. And I hate to say this because I agree with you 100%, but as a guy that's, uh, I'm not a pro player anymore, let's say semi-pro, not rep, you know what I'm saying? I used to play full-time, but now I've invested a lot of the money I've made. We sort of take whatever treatment we can get because we know we'll be profitable at the end. Does that make sense? Correct. Oh, I agree. Like the poker players in general, we'll just take whatever dog shit they feed us and we'll be happy with it. But we're really hurting the overall economy of poker by doing killing it and 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 if they don't fix it now there won't be one okay the reason why tournament buy-ins have gone up are i mean as far as like uh the number of people as far as i I, i'm gonna let greg answer here uh uh, because i don't want him uh, holding too long absolutely is because is because Everybody in the poker economy is broke, and they're trying to make a score. And the best way to get a score is they get backing or they sell themselves at markup, trying to get in tournaments and make a score. They don't know what's going on. I know what's going on in the real poker economy. Greg, go ahead and answer some of his questions, and uh, you can go ahead and ask Greg some others. Well, I guess it's not surprising. The answer really is about balance. Um, When we're talking about the World Series, you know, over the summer – Reentry isn't that important because there's lots of other things to do. Whereas the rest of the year I'm traveling around, I'm going to things like Heartland Poker Tour, you know, World Series circuit events, stuff like that. You know, there's only one main event and then some relatively small preliminary events. And obviously, like, I don't want to travel to, you know, Chicago and St. Louis and Florida and so on. If I can only play that main event one time. But what about one? Because now... Would you be good with one re-entry tops? See, that's what I'm pushing for. If you travel across country yeah. um, and if you get coolered, you could get one one optional re-entry. Okay? Um, but you can't buy in that day. You have to buy in day 1B or whatever. Uh, but one re-entry I'm fine with. Uh, and uh, But I'm just way against these unlimited re-entries. Which still is reasonable because it puts a cap on what I would what I would. Uh, term it as a bankroll edge like Bonomo he has a bankroll edge right. so in an unlimited re-entry he's not only has a massive skill edge on most of the field but that bankroll edge you know what I mean I don't know how they can make a variable to factor that in I was listening to your conversation about Kenny Hallard and the ICM thing that was uh you know spun my head a little bit because I really didn't think of it in those terms you know what I mean yeah I I knew it was probably two to one. I had no idea it was like three to one your chips were worth. I mean, it's all you have to do is just look who's won the bracelets in the last two years and look who's been at the top of the leaderboard in caches. Chris Ferguson, max late regs, either the last level of the, of the night 
on day one or he registers on day two and he's got 17 caches and he's, I think, fourth for player of the year right now. So, I mean, you don't need to know any bet more than that. You know, that's all. Anyways, we're going to go. We got one. We got to go take some more. Calls. Can, I, can I ask you guys just one more quick question? Yeah, I just want to hear your you opinion it, on one thing and I'll let you guys go. Go ahead, Greg. You answer. I just it. wanted to know um, what you guys thought about from a a standpoint from the player's point of view or just anybody watching ESPN with the sort of confrontation and the way Jack Effel handled the situation with Dario Sammartino. Cause I just want to tell you as a poker player and a person that's been playing since I graduated college, 15 years, I was disturbed at the level of how he handled that situation, how disrespectful, rude and condescending he was. And then there's a language barrier factored into that whole thing too. The guy barely speaks English. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the, the ruling he gave was obviously There was really no question about that, rule. even That's though the, the ruling made a no mistake. Because if you were to somehow let him out, even if the dealer hadn't put out a flop, even if the cards had not been turned over, you know, you couldn't let him say call when he thought it was 17 and then let him change his mind when it's corrected to 22 because – to the extent you feel like you're trying to be fair to Dario, you're kind of also maybe being unfair to the other guy because maybe in that exchange of 17 to 22, the other player gave off some significant tell. Like, yes, you called me, you know, he starts celebrating. He hasn't turned his hand over, but you know, it's a huge hand. Um, And now you're letting Dario off the hook because the dealer said 17 instead of 22. So the ruling is correct. And I agree with you, Jack, I 100% agree that the ruling is correct. I just I'm really from, sorry, but on this, this is the type rule, of a spotlight, no 11 handed, you know, we can discuss it in detail later. But right now, it's disrespect. a call and the deal is going to run out the board. Yeah. So, my, my take on this is this of course, the ruling was correct. Um, what Jack Effel did was a disgrace. Um, he, the way he ignored it afterwards like it was no big deal by erasing his Twitter account and not addressing Dario the next day and apologizing of the way he acted and the way he was appalling. A lot of people are calling for Jack's head and don't want to see him at the World Series next year. And uh, and this is good. This goes back over a lot of what other people have been saying of the preferential treatment of certain players uh, against certain players. And there's a lot of people that have just had enough of Jack. Now, me personally, I can't. Jack's been nothing nice to me. I can't say anything wrong about him. Yeah, and we can't him. we can't be ignorant to the fact that preferential treatment exists. And I'm oh, glad absolutely. you mentioned that because I just want to replace Dario Sammartino with your friend or, you know, your your, your acquaintance, Daniel right. Negreanu. Would Absolutely. he have talked to Daniel that way? No fucking way. He might have. He might have. That's only, my point. Not only would he not talk to Daniel that way, okay, but he might have let him say, "Take the seventeen back and decide if you want to call." I mean, he might have. I mean, that's and we we can't. You know, we can't make that ruling, or we can't. Right. Uh, you we know, can't, it's like, that's just he an said, assumption he said, that we don't I, know. I agree yeah. with you. You know, on that. So, no, I agree with you. That was disgraceful. I mean, to never apologize to him. For that, uh, I just think it's it's unforgivable. Um, it's a big difference. Five million in chips is ten big blinds extra. Ten big blinds. I honestly, knowing Dario the way I know him as a player, I do not think he calls twenty two point five million. 
I really we had don't. a big discussion in a group of players about this, and the majority consensus, we thought he would fold with the difference. I think he would have, too. What do you think, Greg? I have never played with Dario, so I, I, I don't really have an opinion on what he would have done. Let me ask you. Would you like have I said, done? it's unfortunate, and it's, it's just one of those things, though, that that's why you always want to be careful. You want to be aware of how many chips your opponent have. I mean, I've I've had dealers make a mistake like that with me, and then I'm just like, wait, can you double check? That doesn't sound right. Um, you know, whether he should have called for 22 or not, yeah, I think it's close either way. Yeah, I mean, but it's gonna. He's gonna. I'm not saying he's gonna fold. I'm saying there's probably it makes the decision much more different yes it's a for it for dario stack size it is a it makes a big difference and uh the way he was treated was appalling but we got to go we got another call coming in yep. i appreciate the call. really appreciate that chad you got it Bye-bye. good luck to both you gentlemen. Thank you. all right we're gonna take one more call and then we're gonna say goodbye okay uh okay so yeah one more quick call Yo, welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike Mattiso and Greg Fossilman Raymer. How's it going? Hey, Mike. I'm doing great, and your podcast is just fantastic. Hey, Thank you. What do you I think of the first live podcast? podcast? You like it? I, I, you got to do more, Mike. More live ones? Get enough mouth. Yeah. Yes. The only thing about the live ones is like uh, technical, uh, difficulties. technical difficulties like today, where everything else comes out smooth when we do them uh, <laughs> <laughs> when we did, when we do them two days in advance. It's more GTO though. But that's yeah. like a reflection of your life, Mike. That's more reflective. That's true. That's true. Uh, you know, I I I, I kind of like doing the live ones, and uh, the, I like our system. We kind of like set up. Uh, we're able to. I think I I hope everything's coming out good for everybody. Uh, I've been getting nothing but good praises. So uh, we worked really hard on setting up this set. But um, you got what kind of questions you got for me and uh, Mister Fossilman Raymer? I've got a quick one, but before I say it, I just want to tell you, your podcast with Billy Baxter uh, was phenomenal, and a lot of people are talking about it. And yeah, and he was in the middle He was in the middle of betting sports, too, so we're, we're going we're gonna to get him back on here probably in a couple of weeks, where he, not, maybe even next week, who knows, because now, right now, uh, before the football starts up, he has a little bit of time, and we can get a lot. He has so many more stories. He's, he's something, boy, I'll tell you. You know, he's great. One of my great. good friends. Here's, here's, my que- here's my question for you and Greg. And uh, just so nobody reads into it incorrectly, I, I think the world of Chris Moneymaker. What was your guys' take on the Hall of Fame induction of Chris and Oppenheimer last week as as opposed to other guys who are eligible and um, <laughs> don't get maybe me worthy in both of your opinion? <laughs> Don't well, get- you, you, you gave us your opinion on that earlier in the show, Mike. Yeah, we did. Good. Yeah. You would oh, but, I mean, I, I was in favor of Chris being inducted into the Hall of Fame just because, and I'm not saying that he's, you know, historically one of the greatest, you know, most skillful poker players that's ever lived, but he's a good player and a good guy, and everyone agrees with that Great part. Great guy. Great guy. But a good player. when you look at everyone else who was eligible for the Hall of Fame, there's no one else where you could point to them and say, if it weren't for them the poker boom would be 10, maybe even 20% smaller than it was. I agree. And that's, uh, you know, when you look at the list, that's why uh, 
you know, I uh, if you I, I knew they would put Chris in on the 50th anniversary because it, it's uh, all about promoting the World Series of Poker. Um, is great as a player, and, and I mean this sincerely. David Oppenheim is one of the top three all-around poker players in the world. Um, his only weakness is no limit hold'em tournaments, uh, which he's still not bad at that. Uh, but that he doesn't play that. He plays big, big, big cash games, and and uh, he's uh-huh. the best in the game and when he does it. But with that said, um, what has you have to ask? What has he done to help push poker forward? Um, the answer is zero. Um, he is not the most pleasant person to play with. As a matter of fact, he's he's one of my friends. We get along fine, but at the table, I cannot. I, cannot play with him at the table I, he's just so miserable to play with uh he, here's a guy that when wins more than anybody in poker when he loses one hand it's reverse scramble back scramble left scramble throws a fit um just you know i, I mean I, he's one of my friends and i cannot play in the same game as him and that's just you know this is me but i love i love him as a person but I just hate playing with him, and I don't really think he advances anything in poker. But, uh, you know, listen, I have my own feelings. I, I know that poker is very political. Um, they, um, I mean, all you have to do is know like, Todd Brunson got in, uh, what, last year, the year before, uh, when his first time on the list. Now, I played thousands and thousands of hours with Todd Brunson in cash games. He is, without a doubt, one of the best players I've ever played with and one of my good friends. Um, but, you know, you look at um, tournament results and to think that Todd's in the Hall of Fame before me because his dad made sure to call everybody that he knew that was in the Hall of Fame to make sure to give all their points to Todd to get in. Um, it was all that's kind of political. But don't get me wrong. Todd deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He is one of the best players I've ever played with. Again, I'm not knocking that. You know, um, that's it. And I'm going to get in no matter what. It's not. It's not that. It wasn't. It's not about that for me. Um, it's about what I said three years ago. My dad's getting older. I don't know how long he's going to be around. I want my dad to be around when I get in the Hall of Fame. This year, he was in the hospital, very sick for four months. We almost lost him. I don't know if he'll be around next year at this time. And if he's not, I will never let the world here. I will never live, let, let him live it down because it's something that means. That's the only re- thing the Hall of Fame means to me is, you know, everybody knows for your parents, you you work, you try and be successful. You want your parents to be proud of you. And uh, I kind of play, you know, I play for my family. I play for my parents. I want them to see me do successful. And with that, uh, it's... Uh, that, that takes a little stings, but hopefully my dad's doing good right now. And hopefully he'll be with us next year when I do get in. Um, anything else you want to say there, Greg? Well, I will, I would vote for you if I had votes, Mike. I know you would buddy. And I appreciate it. And, uh, people don't realize they always, always ask, you know, about, uh, uh, me and you and, uh, me and you have been really close friends for quite a few years now. And, um, He's Greg's a good guy, and I'm glad to call him my friend. I'm glad he's on my first live podcast. I'm glad for everybody who's called in to talk to Greg, 
And uh, we got to move on to uh, get going because Mike Mizrachi's getting on. He only has about 30 minutes. So uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for your well phone call. Time. We appreciate it. And, Greg, thank you so much for the, inter- for the interview and coming on today on my first live podcast. It means a lot to me, and, uh, and I appreciate it very much. Is there anything else you want to plug? You're welcome. Glad I could be on. Glad I added some more uh, technical difficulties. Um, oh, what was like your said, book? What would my hey, what was your be book? without the road bumps? Right. What was your book again? Uh, uh, put that out there for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Let's see here. I get it. Fossil Man's Winning Tournament Strategies. So entirely focused on poker tournament play. Uh, covers every aspect of tournament play. Obviously, you can't put everything in one book, but I tried to do something that hit on all the major points and will help anyone become a better player when they're in a tournament. And obviously, some of it will also help you in cash games as well. And my hope is that, you know, little time goes by, more people have read the book, and that uh, people consider this like the Bible for tournament poker. And if I did my job well, that's what it will be. If not, then I'll have to do a better job in the future. All right, buddy. All right, Greg. Thanks for thanks for being on the mouthpiece, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care, thanks. my Anytime, friend. Anytime, buddy. All righty. Now, everybody, we are going to call Mr. Mike Mizrachi the Grinder. Coming off his fifth. World Series of Poker Bracelet. There he is. Grinder, you there? Mikey. What's up, Mikey? What's up? Mike the Grinder, Mizrachi. Welcome to the mouthpiece. mouthpiece. Lower your volume in the back, Mikey. Lower your volume. Yeah, I hear you good. Okay. All right, man. How's it going? Good, brother. Just got back from uh, Vegas. Yeah. little tired resting up, man. Yeah, what are you resting up for? Huh? What are you resting, resting up, up for? Your podcast. That's good. That's that's what I want to hear. See, that's my Mikey. Yeah. I know. So, um, why don't you tell everybody how the summer went? You won your fifth World Series of Poker bracelet. Wow! Uh, yeah, I won the fifth, and they told me I was the first player. I, was, I won five bracelets in the last decade, so they had that stat. So I had no idea. Yeah, so that's pretty cool stat. Well, and, I just—it's um, amazing. You won a bracelet. You want yeah. a bracelet that wasn't uh, the 50K. What's going on here? I know. I'm slacking, bro. Sorry. You, I down to the, you think it's going to be a 1500. You're probably going to think it's a no limit event. We're going to score for five, 600,000. But eh, I can't get greedy. It's 142. And, you know, kept my World Series alive. Some hope, you know, some confidence. It was early. Yeah. But it's all good. I mean, and, well, you know, you, I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it was nine caches. Probably lost a little for the series, but, you know. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah, no and that, it's a lot what we were talking about, you know. Could have been uh, a lot worse. Yeah, it could have, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. But, like, it's a little bit like if you've been listening to the podcast all day, what we were talking about, like, Mike, nine caches and a bracelet and lost a little bit for the World Series. I had seven caches, no bracelet, and and won uh, 100 and something thousand. So it goes to show you that, yes, I would rather pro- – no, I need the money. I'd rather, I would probably rather have the money, more money and not a bracelet. But you know what? Yeah. Mike had had a lot of deep runs. Um, and he really kind of ran bad late. Um, and the way 
he went broke in the turbo. Uh, I finished 31st. He finished 32nd. Uh, the two hands we both lost, I thought mine was brutal. Um, why don't you tell all the fans what I witnessed and how you went broke in the 5K turbo with 31 well, people left? Actually, actually, in all the no-limit tournaments, I really think I played like 14 no-limit events, and I, I took a bad beat for my tournament life in 13 of them. And the one I didn't, and the one I was a flip, the one. So, but the uh, last 10, I shifted in with Ace King of Clubs, and a guy flat called me uh, with his whole stack with King Jack all in. That was Pat that Lyons, was by Pat. the way. Pat. Pat called, and the guy called in a small blind with Ace Queen. And the flop comes 663 with two clubs. And of course, of course, it comes to Jack Jack. Yeah. So. Now, now, Mike, Mike had about to, had the same starting stack as me going into day two, uh, twenty thousand less, which is less. So it was basically for seven hundred thousand. He had an ace king of clubs versus I have no idea what Pat Lyons is calling your under the gun shove with King Jack. I mean, like you're not. <laughs> I, I don't understand that. And uh, and then the overcall with ace queen was probably even worse. Uh, so he gets it in three ways, ace-king of clubs versus king-jack of spades versus ace-queen offsuit. Flop comes three, three, six, two clubs. So uh, basically uh, between them, they're dead to five outs. Five outs. Five outs. An offsuit queen uh, or an offsuit jack, and it comes And jack. they got to hope I missed the turn, too. Yeah, and Mike could so lock them out with a club on the turn, yeah. or Mike – Locks it up with an ace on the turn. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's a uh, or a king. Well, and so, I don't lock it up an ace because a guy can hit a queen on the river. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that was the way his World Series ended. Mine, uh, if you hadn't heard, mine ended uh, uh, in uh, similar fashion. I got it in with ace queen of hearts. The guy moved all in under the gun with ten jack of hearts for two hundred and. 50,000, uh, which is ridiculous. I mean, see, I guess Pat Lyons might have thought, like, uh, you were the guy that moved in at my table with 10 jack of hearts under the gun, which you would never do. And um, a, uh, and I had ace queen of hearts in the big blind. So uh, I was uh, like 67%, and uh, I got a big cock. Uh, and that's what happened there. But uh, yeah. I was there to see that too. That uh, you know that yeah. happens. Yeah. And um, why don't you uh, tell everybody what's been going on in your life, Mikey? What's uh, what's new? Uh, well, well, the most exciting things been going on is well, I actually six months ago I got engaged to Sarah mm. at uh, South Africa, so that was, uh, that was tell, a and, fun trip. And I didn't even know this. I'm one of your closest friends. You didn't tell me you you got engaged. I guess you didn't yeah, invite me. Engaged, Am I getting we, invited uh, to the we wedding went, or what? I took a shark diving. Oh, you took we a cage shark diving. diving. Then we went to some safaris. We had some fun. We had some friends in uh, South Africa we went to go visit. So that was exciting six months ago. And then I just been training like hell, just doing a lot of boxing stuff. So I've been training for like four or five months already, just boxing and just getting in shape. And I got in great shape for the World Series. Yeah, you look like, like you were. I, I felt like I was. I felt coming in the world series. I felt like I was coming like really strong, rested up, feeling great. I traveled the world. I seen so much. I had a great time, and didn't play much poker. Not many tournaments. Just playing cash games all year long. Just private game. Right. And then I was feeling good coming in, and, and uh, you know I had a good. I can't complain. You know what happens? 
I came home with a gold bracelet, but a lot of white receipts and no green. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And your brother, your brother came home with no gold bracelets and a, a lot of green. <laughs> a lot more green. A lot yeah, more green. You know, and that's the thing of the and, – and it goes to show you what I was saying earlier. The man who won the World Series of Poker – uh, 59 years old, worked out, was working out three hours a day. Okay. Mike got in great shape and had a, a decent World Series. His brother, fuck, I thought he was sick when I first saw him. <laughs> His brother lost so much weight. I said, I, I looked at him and I said, Oh my God, Robert's sick. You know, he like, he's like, what is he, six foot two, I think. He's like six two, and he came in like at one eighty five. He looked like a a twig, and I'm just like, dude, you need to add like ten pounds. I'm like, you look like a twig. But it goes to show you what I've been saying. They say poker is not a sport, but yet all the young kids and the older people that are working out every day. Daniel works out every day. The guy who won the World Series 59 works out three hours a day. Mike works out every day. His brother Rob was in incredible shape. And they all had good World Series. Um, me, see, that's that, That's why I, I, I can't wait to get all these meds out of my system because I have to play with all this fucking garbage in my system where I can't, you know, because of my injury, I hadn't been able to work out, but now I'm going to. And um, it makes a big difference. So, uh, people yeah, that don't of course. Think it's- I actually posted. I said, "Poker is not a sport?" Question mark. And I showed my training. I actually went to the UFC Performance Institute right. in Las Vegas because I uh, was friends an active fighter. So you get to uh, you get to use the facilities, and it's great. You know, my friend friends with Colby Covington. He's uh, he's actually fighting in two you weeks too, at, in Newark, New Jersey, for the main card against Robbie Lawler. So I'm going there to support him, and, and uh, it was pretty cool. I had some training with him, you know, felt feeling good, feeling great. The only thing that sucked, he only stayed for a week because he had to go back home to train. So, and yeah. so I enjoyed the week with him. And I was feeling great, and that's when actually I won the world. And actually, I won the bracelet right after he left. The next day, two days later. Yeah, and you know, I was I was really proud of proud of you to win that bracelet because, like, stud eight or better. A stud is your probably your best game. I tell. People say, well, no limit hold them, but I, I still believe stud's your best game. And um, in eight or better stud, I I always felt like sometimes you try and outplay people where you really can't that much in eight or better. But I watched your patience was really good, um, even when you had all the chips. And uh, I thought you uh, – I was a little bit worried about you uh, breaking down a little bit, but you didn't. No, my the, I knew I knew when it came down to the final table when we started getting shorthanded. I knew they didn't they were going to be lost in hands because when you start playing shorthanded, not many people play a lot of shorthanded you know stud high low. So right. you get lost in hand ranges and you're not sure what hands to play in that situation. You're looking at big hands. You're trying to look you know three four five two three four three. Yeah, you know, the low the lows go out cards, the window. Um, but you know you you got to raise the ace king goose, the ace jack goose. Absolutely, ace, jack, three, four, of three, course four, you do. Yes, yes, and uh, and and I, and I always did that because uh, and all the good players do it. Um, and with the depending on how the stack sizes is, sometimes when a low card brings it in, and there and there was sometimes during the stud eight when the one the ten k that I finished fourth, where if you raised to like it was the three six thousand uh, one, uh, where you raised to six thousand, you would pick up. Like, uh, uh, what was it? 18,000 in antis, 
you were getting like three to one, six thousand to one, eighteen thousand, uh, and then three hour or two levels later, uh, the antes were still the same, and it was there was no reason for you to ever raise with a bad one in the hole because the antes were nothing. So uh, that's that's the adjustment, and I noticed it when I noticed, and I had a lot of chips, so I was able to use my chips. You know, they all think I'm so nitty, but. You know, you know as well as I know, Mike. Uh, you know me that I know what to do. You know, with with chip situations. And when I saw eighteen thousand in chips, if I raise and complete to six thousand, um, especially when there was a lot of babies out, I would do it under the gun because with so many like six babies up, the chances of somebody having three were were less. And if they do call, you could hit good. They could hit bad. You could pick it up too. So, uh, yeah, of course. I did that a lot. Uh, yeah. when the, in the three, 6,000, when the, when the Annie's, when you could pick up three times as much on the raise that you could, uh, that was in the pot. But then when it, when it, when it changed, uh, there was at one point, one level where the Annie's were the same. And if you raised to 10,000, there was like eight thousand in the pot, so you had you had to play super solid when that when that anti range was in there. So, um, yeah, of course, man, I hundred percent agree with you. So uh, now that we've been on the phone for a while, what we're going to do, Mike, is we're going to take live phone calls. People are going to call in and they're going to have questions for me and you. And uh, let's see what everybody has to say. Is there any Mike? What right there? Do you wanna, is there anything you want to push? Uh, any want to plug? You're, you still have your uh, dealing well, site? Uh, actually, actually, I've been playing on uh, the PP Poker app. Uh, I play this morning. It what's PP, po- one, what's but, PP uh, Poker? Yeah, I have a club on PP Poker, uh, the Mizraki Club. What's PP so, Poker? Uh, you know, Explain what that is. It's, it, well, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a club people play online and uh, just join the app. You go into my club. You put joint club, your joint club number 288014, and they accept you in the club, and you can go play poker with me on there. There you go. So uh, if you go to PP Poker, um, and what's the code? Download the app on the Apple Store. Okay, download the app. On the Apple Store and, and put in club number 288014. Two what? Repeat that. Repeat that to me. Poker with me. Repeat that, that, that number. Block. What was the number? 288014. 0014. All right, there you go. I just typed it into my chat. So anybody that wants to download the app and play with Mike the Grinder, they're more than happy to. So what we're going to do now is uh, go to the phone call segment. Uh, the number is 702-329-0480. That's 702-329-0480. Give us a call. Uh, me and Mike will take your calls as long as uh, Mike can stay for. He said he only has to four. But you know what? I have a knack of keeping Mike online as long as I can. So, yeah, I have actually a poker game at uh, eight o'clock, but it's like forty minutes away from here. Oh, okay, what so limit? What limit? What well, limit are I'll you try playing? to stand as like another twenty, thirty minutes. Perfect, away. perfect. What limits will you be playing? It's gonna be a just a five, ten, no limit. Uh, just in a private game, we have a private game with a bunch of Israelis, and we play a little bit of PLO later at night at one p.m. at one a.m. in the morning. We, change right. the- we got a call coming in. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike the Mouth with Mike the Grinder Mizrachi. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Yeah, lower your volume in the background. We're doing all right. What's up, boss? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Uh, Am I on with Mike and... uh... Mike and Mike. We're the new Mike Mike and Mike. Mike. Yep. 
More than you. Two we're, pros, two legends. Nice to talk to both of you guys. Yeah. Uh, got, got a question for you. So who was the uh, uh, Mike? I'd love to hear some Stu Unger stories from you. Uh, you know, uh, I, w- I, w- I wish I had. I had them. My only. I, I got. I started playing uh, professionally in '96. I met Stu Unger in 1997. Uh, but I didn't really, I just was high and goodbye. But if you watch the 97 main event, it was the only time the horseshoe, they decided they were going to run it outside on Fremont Street. And it was in May and they had a 110 degree heat wave. But if you go and look up that video on YouTube, 97 final table, you'll see me. I was in the stands the entire final table. Oh, I know. I've seen I it online. Know. I've seen I, you I in the background learning. You know, and uh, and I've seen you know what you've accomplished since then. I met you in two thousand nine, and you were real nice. You know, you let me take a picture with you. You were very cordial. I appreciate that. You know, uh, but uh, I just want to say, Mike, I wish you luck, man. You know, you're you're on your way to a comeback. Keep grinding it out. And uh, uh, could you give some examples of live tells that normal, you know, that that for advanced players. Would would see. Well, I love to, to hear additional. Start off with Mike. Mike, you can answer that, and then I'll uh, answer my opinion on it. I um, mean, yeah, I just look for uh, my for my biggest thing is looking for breathing, heavy breathing, light breathing. I look for like, and I pick it up for the next time. If I show us, you know, I see his hand. If I see a bluff, or I don't see a bluff, I could tell the heavy breathing could be a bluff, or 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 it could be a big hand. So I look for that. That's the first thing I look for, and and for tells. But everybody looks at other gotcha. things, like hand movements, you know. You know, just uh, facial expression. Yeah. You know, uh, or shuffling chips. But I look at every for everything. But I think the, I, I look for more tells when I'm playing like a really big tournament, when I'm like when I'm playing a big 10k. But at the 1k, 500s, I just I pretty much just you know enjoy myself, listen to music. But when I'm serious and playing big events, I usually don't have the headphones on, and I listen for everything. Right, and you know I noticed. Yeah, like, you got to. Like in the main event Sorry, this Michael. year. In the main event this year. Um, uh, I'm sorry, not in the main event. In the uh, horse tournament, after I got broke from the main event, and in the uh, turbo tournament, I actually brought headphones with me because I knew how loud it was going to be in there because they were all screaming at the main event. And I put headsets, and I've never been able to play with headsets on. And I put them on, and I'm just like, I I just wasn't focused, so I had to take them off and get used to it. It was harder for me in the horse tournament because I was on the left of the stage, right by the stage, uh, where the turbo tournament was in front and it didn't echo as much. Uh, my my tells that I look for is the same thing I've been looking for for years. Um, I still hate card runners for teaching people bet sizing because I used to pick up on what everybody had just by the way they put their chips in. Now, it's a lot tougher now, but I still look for chip tells because the human body – when it gets ready to bet, they don't think about, oh, I make sure I put these chips out the same way I did the last time. And yeah. uh, it's been it's still been profitable for me, even though it cost me at the Venetian uh, event where a guy who was three betting like all the time. Uh, but I opened for 1,800 uh, middle position. Guy next to me called. This guy's in the big blind, and he made it 8,000. Like, this guy had never done more than, like, 3 to 4x re-raise. And I'm like, why would he make it 8,000 against me when he knows 
like I always fold and look for better spots. And uh, I'll give the guy credit. Uh, he had two kings, and I fell for the bait. And I made it 25000 and he moved in for 24 more, in which I committed myself because I three-bet him really big. And, uh, he reverse-telled you. Uh, yeah, he reverse-telled me. And uh, I felt like a fool for it because even uh, a couple of great players that were at the table, I said, well, I, I, we were talking about it. I said, well, and I go, did you see what I saw? And they all said, yeah. I go, would you have done the same? They said, yeah. So I give the kid a lot of credit that he was able to pick that off of me. Uh, but most people aren't that smart. So, <laughs> you know, I felt yeah, for yeah. it. I, I think it's more, more important that you figure yourself out before you figure out the other players at the table. This yeah. way you can know your tells and fix it up, and, mm-hmm. and, and then you work on, and then work on picking up other players' tells. And especially for someone like Mike, he plays a lot more hands than I do. So he really has to make sure that he does everything um, yeah. the same because they're going to – focus on him and look for they're going to look for something different and uh uh because mike mike probably plays i don't know no limit hold them i'll say he plays 15 times more hands than i do um i decided years ago yeah yeah what people don't understand is back in uh pre-2006 i was the most feared no limit player in the world i was the most aggressive i was i played every fucking hand and uh, once people learned bet sizing and people started learning, um, they started calling you down all the time. And I decided, uh, well, what's easier to play super tight and then open it up when the when the blind levels go up and they still and they think you're a nit, or play super loose and when when you get when you get when you get hands you get paid like Mike and uh, yeah. like you, there's no way when I move in under the gun Pat Lyons calls me with King Jack of Spades but because it's Mike the grinder they're like oh he doesn't have, have anything and they call that so, was the second hand I played right I believe it I played I played two hands Ace Queen and Ace King suited but they don't look at it that way they just look at it as as your image they look at my past. Correct. That's Correct. And and that's I, why. I, that's why when I'm in when I'm in like in the money, I'm gonna have all the chips, and I'm I'm gonna be in the best position to win the tournament. Yeah. Well, it's like I told you, if you do what I did in 2007 and 2008, and all of a sudden you you just change to a, you know you you know to a nitty, to a nitty, where people are like, wow, Mike's so tight. They're they're not gonna realize that. They they're still gonna think you're Mike the maniac and they're gonna pay you off. And that's why I made four WPT final tables in 07 and 08. Yeah. You know, and then I, I realized believe it or not, in this cash game I'm playing tonight, they said you know, I can't be so nitty because they last time I was nitty and then you don't want really play it anymore, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I have to I have to mix it up where it looks like I'm giving a lot of action, but I'm not really not, you know. My, my, looks like Mike you're splashing, and but you're not. Mike and Nitty, something you never thought you'd ever heard. But what people don't understand is Mike's nickname, The Grinder, came Grinder. from the fact that he used to play online and be so nitty. So, well, actually, I was gotcha. super nitty. I was like the nittiest player ever. Right. And the limit hold him. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go to the next phone call because we got a lot of people waiting. So thanks for the call. We appreciate it. All right, Mikey. You there? Yeah, I started limit myself. But instinct. Oh, there we go. Looking for tells. As a pleasure, as a pleasure talking to both you guys. Good luck this Absol- year. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you. you. Take, thanks for the call. Good luck to you too. Thanks, right. guys. You got it. Thanks, bro. All right. All right. So we're going to call somebody back because that's what we do with the mouthpiece. Because when we're 
are on calls. Uh, a lot of people we missed phone calls, so we're going to call some people back and uh, see what they have to say for me and Let's Mike. Let's do it. Yes, am I live? Yo, welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike and Mike. How you doing? Hi. Hi, who's this? My name is Cindy. I'm a big fan. Oh, nice to meet you, Cindy. Hi, Cindy. How are you? Thank you. I'm I'm good, and you? We're doing good. Uh, you, You got some questions for me or Mike? Yes, I do. All right. Okay, okay, okay. Do you think Tom Brady is gonna uh, is gonna um is gonna like come back? What? Do you think Tom Brady is gonna come back to play football? Well, yeah. Why wouldn't he? Oh, because no. um, oh, because I heard on Facebook that 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 he's gonna quit. No, he's not gonna quit. Uh, okay. No, he's not gonna quit. But it's like us. We ain't quitting poker. We're gonna keep playing. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's all right. cool. All right. Any other questions? Uh, no. All that's right. all. We're Thank out of you. here. Take care. Thanks for calling. Okay. All right. Bye. Only on the mouthpiece, ladies and gentlemen. Only on the mouthpiece. Only mm-hmm. on the mouthpiece. Only on the mouthpiece. Yeah. Only on the mouthpiece. <laughs> Was Tom Brady supposed to be quitting football? Was he supposed <laughs> no, to retire? No. <laughs> I think somebody was trolling us I'm, with a funny question. Just thought that we we're just going to fuck with us. I don't know why I'm so fucking hot in this fucking house. That's why I got my towel. I got my towel. Uh, you're in Vegas, bro. All right. We got call you're, the, you're, welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike the Mouth with Mike the Grinder, Miss Rachi. How uh, you doing? Are you going to ask you if Dan Marino is coming out of retirement? Am I going to who what? I, I hope you're going to come out of retirement. Go Uh-oh. ahead. How's it going, man? Who's, who are we talking to? This is Lonnie. Lonnie, how's it going? Where are you from? How's it going, Lonnie? I, I got a question. Best three tournament players you ever played, both of you? In No Limit Hold'em? Or... No Limit Hold'em. Best three tournament players. Uh, I'm going to go... so many. So many. I'm going to go... And I'll tell you, I'll tell There's so many new uh-huh. ones... So it's tough for me. Well, I, so, I'm going to tell you something. I went to, a, a, I went to Frank Casella's party, Mike, mm-hmm. and then we asked Justin Bonomo, who's the best poker player in the world right now? He said Stephen Chitwick. Yes, that's what everybody keeps saying. So, yeah, we, 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 we kind of lost the guy, but we can answer that on que- uh, 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 without him having to be online. So, uh, yeah, that's what uh, everybody says. Um, I got him for a dollar. He proceeded to max late reds the 25k PLO uh, and win it for 2.7 million. Um, he just came third in the Venetian. I heard he came. He won like the high roll last week, or came second yeah. at the Aria, and he won the 25k PLO. And then you know, it's well, it's always nice to play every tournament too. You know what I mean? You have somebody you're playing every event, so you know, and it's a lot easier when you know you know players don't have families or children or you know a wife yeah. or. You know what I mean? So you get to go around the world with, you know, you know I, just your um, mind is, is all about poker and making money. So I, it's, and, 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 and you get to follow up with the game and study, you know what I mean? So, so it's you, much na- easier. you I name think, your three. I think player, name your three. Let's that? answer his question. Name your three. Yeah, because we have more calls. Because we have more calls coming. Uh, 
name my three best they, players I they, play with. I yes. mean, there's so many right now. I mean, yeah. I really, I think Justin Bonomo. Okay. For sure, is up there. I mean, I off the top. I mean, I no limit hold them. Yeah. I don't because I'm like I'm not around as much. Yeah, me, it's it's a really anymore, it's so really, really tough for so me. There's so many names out there. Yeah. So but, there's uh, so so many but, names for me too. But uh, yeah. The, so you know what I mean? Uh. uh I mean, so, I mean, I play with what? Who else is good? Uh, Monkey Chewy was great. Yeah, he's still he's still great. He's still great. Huh? He, he's still great. So is Tom Marchese. Tom Marchese just won uh, the Aria. Marchese. You know, um, it, 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 you know, you watch some of these players. Like I've been, I wish I could answer that because I since I got sick in 2014, so that's five years. I've played no more than two no limit tournaments a year, so it's it's really tough for me to answer that. I played. Yeah, me too. I played the LAPC. In February, in which uh, um, I thought two people played better than me, and uh, uh, one was uh, I think it's Jake Campbell, I think his name is, and yeah, and uh, he played. He's unbelievable. I mean, how about the what's his name? That that's one that's made thirteen WPT final tables. <laughs> what's his What's his name? Uh, I wouldn't even know, brother, because I, mean, uh, yeah. I haven't played any poker so, uh, tournaments for like a year. Yeah, it's a tough World answer Series. for me. I mean, back in the day, Ivy was the best, but uh, I don't know uh, what I can say now. And uh, that's just that's just too too tough. Well, if you're looking for if you're looking for overall poker player, Ivy will be obviously in the category because he can yeah. play any. He can make that transition from from tournaments to cash games and right. play every single game. Right. So that's what makes a great poker player. I agree with you, but um, you're. I mean, you can be a great poker player if you stick to where you're good at. That right. makes you a great poker player. But if you want to have all over, all around best, the live will definitely be one of the categories. For right. sure. We got another call. We got another call. Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike the Mouth Mattis, along with Mike the Grinder, Miss Rachi. How you doing today? What's up? Oh, I can't believe I got through, man. Huge fan. Huge fan. All right. How's one question for you. It's a really important question. Okay. Do you think uh, Drew Brees is going to retire, or is he coming back? <laughs> <laughs> that Thanks, is Mikey, I love you, man. fucking funny. How you doing, Good man? Luck, bro. I love you. Keep grinding, man. I love you guys. All right, man. You, you, got, you got it, man. Take care. That was, uh, that he, had the, he had the clown on that uh, other call we had. That was pretty funny. So... Uh, yeah, all right. We're calling somebody back that really wanted to be called back. Let's do it. Yo, what's up? Yo, welcome to the mouthpiece. What's up, bro? Mike and How's Mike. How's it going, guys? Good, man. How's yeah, it going? Here. How you doing? Live here from uh, uh -oh. Canada, Big Round Poker. What's your and, name? Uh, I just have a couple of questions, Wait, actually. What's your name? I need um, your name. Uh, Richie. Richie, how's it going, Richie? Richie. I bought right. your book on Amazon, too, man. Big fan, man. Thank you I so much. I have a question about the whole full tilt thing. Um, is it just a conspiracy, or when I look at Phil Ivey's graphs, he never had a downswing. Yeah. Because um, you know what? Somebody approached me yeah, about that um, during the World Series. Uh, sure. When David... Um, Benjamin was throwing around crazy conspiracies 
that it was all rigged for Ivy and Patrick to win all the money to make them look in, invincible. I laughed and I said, the company's dropping two and a half million a day. I don't think that's possible. Uh, after everything that's happened, I think it's very possible. That's all. I'll, I'll, that'll be yeah, my, I, my I, only comment on that. Yeah, and like I said, I don't really want to get into it, obviously. Yeah, for sure. I know I agree with what you're saying. But I have another question for you before okay. I let you go. Um, honest to God, man, I mean, this is a random question. I'm not sure if you're going to remember this. But there was this one hand back in 04 or 05 between you and Dan Magrano. Okay. And I'm not sure if they did it for TV. But they had, like, heart machines on you guys. Did that – was there really machines on you guys? I do remember uh, that, yes. They had. They actually okay. did. That was um, the showdown at the Sands. It yeah, was, that's what it was. <laughs> it was. I'm going to tell you about that. That was uh, the beginning. The uh, I'm sorry. The end of no. The beginning of 2004, because I okay. remember it so well. Because that's when I had gotten set up by the undercover cop for doing nothing, and I had to be. Oh wow! I had to be back for the arraignment in the morning, and I was at this final table, and there was one last flight out. And if I would have missed that, I would have probably had to do 10 years in jail. So the reason why I went broke in that event is because I uh, <laughs> because I made the flight home. Uh, if I if I didn't, I was we're all like, well, I'm gonna somebody's gonna have to help. We're gonna have, I got to get a private jet and fly a private jet home for the arraignment. But it was pretty funny. Uh, so I remember that tournament like it was yesterday. Uh, and I remember me and Daniel were two chip leaders and decided to both get our chips all in with seven nine offs. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and we and we ended up chopping the pot. So uh, you said you said you had a heart. But next time you win, Mikey, yeah. I'm going to tell you something. Next time you win, Mikey, you got to yell vindication. The way that you jumped out of those chairs was, I think it was like uh, some TV show. I think it was like the heads up. Match. Yeah, no, that was when I again. that was when I won the uh, but, the tournament of champions. But you know, it was epic. Your yeah. reaction, the way you jumped up from that chair, I must have rewound it like 15,000 times. It was <laughs> you, pure. You want to hear awesome, this? Yeah, I'll make you really laugh. So I was deep in the main event this year, and uh, honestly, finishing 199th was a pretty big disappointment. I had a table that allowed me to control it. Um, I, sure. Without them knowing it, I had chipped up from 700 to 1.8 million and i don't think they knew how i did that because they <laughs> i didn't play any hands i was just you know talking with them making them all laugh uh which is what i do best and then i i open pots and i chip up and they don't even know what hit them but um the thing is is i was telling people they're like and, and i don't think about winning the main event and i always right. tell people you don't think about it until there's less than 100 people left and you got yourself about 50 big blinds. If you have 50 big blinds and less than 100 people left, you have as good a chance as anybody left in the tournament to win. So 100%. I never 100%. even think about it. Even when I final tabled the last one I final tabled in 05, I never right. thought I was going to win the main event until I flopped the king against 
uh, goofballs aces. Uh, that was the first time I, I would have had. People don't realize I would have had seventy-five percent of all the chips in play eight-handed, and that would have been the end of it. So, um, no, but I. But it was funny you you brought that up because I said, you know, if something crazy happens and I final table this and I win it, I take the bracelet, I throw it right out in the fucking street, and I tell the World Series and everybody yeah. in the poker world, go fuck yourself, have a nice day. Are you are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna yell a punishment time though if you win again? Well. Uh, when I win, if I win something like a... It's punishment uh, time. You slam the table. It was awesome, you, dude. Well, That's you know, I, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. And dude, uh, back... As you should, though. As you should. The thing, that, the thing is, is when I had all the money in poker, um, I didn't just help people out. I staked everybody. I, gotcha. I, I, um, I mean... Well, I would take whatever. I want to I... say though, like I want to say this because it's very important. On the high stakes, po- uh, those two big hands you won against Dan and Nograno, mm-hmm. the one with the kings, you know. Correct. I just found that, like, I know that you guys are good friends, and obviously you don't even know me, but I just found that, like, he should have given you more credit when I know he lost the hand, but just to, it's like I don't know. He seems to always egg you on and say you're not playing any hands, and then you win the, two hands. Those the whole ten. Hands. Listen. Everybody at the table knew I had cool, kings you know? full except for Daniel. Um, right. The thing about, listen, me and Daniel were arch enemies for the last three years. We hated, we, we hated each other. It was all, well, it was a mixture of politics and some money that I had And dildos being sent out to dildos, dildos yeah. in the mailbox. But right? he enjoyed, <laughs> hey, he loved my uh, Blockers for Dummy video. He called me the day after he got married, to and he said some good things that we'd be friends again, and and then we had a amazing it was podcast number ten. I don't know if you heard it yet. Uh, it's a two hour podcast, uh, and where we clear the air on everything, and me and Daniel are back being close like we used to be. So um, it was better. That's great to hear, Mike. Yeah, well, it was good for the yeah. poker world. Um, there's no reason uh, two people. That people know well. I, I think Sean D took over your spot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know he did, and um, it was so funny when I released Blockers for Dummies. Uh, Sean D tweeted out, "I've never followed anybody on YouTube, but this video is pure c- comedy gold." And then I said to him, "Well, don't worry, Sean. The next one's going to be better. It's about you." And then I released right, right, right. Markup Police, uh, but uh, I, I asked him, I go, you don't get offended by anything. He goes, oh, no. So uh, he loved it. He <laughs> thought was it was great funny. Video, so, the, the editing we, was amazing. Everything about I appreciate it. Was, it. We, uh, really, really cool. we got another phone call, so we got to go. Yeah, no but, worries. And, oh, but one, thanks, one from Mike. You have one from Mike? Go ahead. I got one. Yeah, just one. Mike, uh, just one question, man. What is your, uh, like, how you start your tournament? I mean, the way that you see things, I mean, you've won so many tournaments, high-class player, amazing player. Do you ever get anxiety when you make a final table? Like, like I'm no, physical anxiety. No. No, not, not at not, all. No, no. no. no you know, though, I'm, when I, and I'm oh. very, I... Go ahead, Mike. And I'm well-prepared. When, when I'm on the final table, I come up, I, I actually go train all morning, and I'm feeling good at the final table. And when I'm at the final table, 
I usually I have the biggest stack at the table. You'll see most of the tournaments right, I'm right. In the, um, when I get deep, I'm, I'm one of the biggest stacks in the tournament. So I'm always, Dude, you know, I'm always sure, I'm putting the pressure on other players and uh, not worried at all. I feel feeling great. Feeling great. Absolute always coming beast, my friend. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Pleasure to talk to you guys. You got um, it, man. And thanks thanks for taking my call. I really appreciate it, man. And all good right. luck to you guys. All right. You got it. Of course, Take brother. It. Same to you. All right. Easy, man. Let's uh, get at least one more. Okay, we got a guy we had to call back that uh, really wants to talk to us. Fuck off if you don't like Hello? Oh, no. Uh, Wrong number. We already called you. Sorry. No way. Hold on. All right, bye. There you go. That's the lady with the... That's... That's the, that's the, the that's Tom Brady. That's Tom Brady. Oh, that's right. okay. Come on, man. Oh, uh, I mean, uh, what's going on there, editor? Hello. Yo, welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike and Mike. How's it going? Pretty good. I got what's a question. On, Can you guys maybe tell some stories about like physical altercations that occurred in either you know earlier oh. days in poker? Oh, or can... maybe some guys that were known for fighting or any, any sort of interesting stories around that. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, uh, we can uh, uh, do that. Uh, I um, can tell you two. I don't know how many Mike has. Uh, one uh, was with uh, Sam Grizzle. We were playing 4 and 800. Uh, this was about 2000 and. Oh, I'm going to go with 2004, maybe 2003. And uh, Sam finally went broke in the game. And uh, David Gray said, well, I guess the game's over. <laughs> Sam Grizzle got up and punched fucking David Gray in the face. It was epic. <laughs> it was epic. And then they were playing in Bobby's room. And uh, Phil started some shit, Helmuth. And the guy got in Phil's face, and and they were about ready to go to blows, and and Phil goes, "You better watch it, man. I know karate." And everybody just what? started laughing so hard that the fight got diffused, and nobody could quit laughing. And Phil gets up and goes, "I know karate." It was the funniest Ooh. shit ever. Those are the two that I can remember. Um, but one of the one of the actual funniest things from the old days that I can remember is uh, with JRB. Uh, this is back around oh two thousand and seven, I think, in which uh, JRB uh, he was always broke and and on the rail and uh, barring I don't even know how he did it. He's the greatest poker story of all time. But uh, we made a ten thousand dollar bet. And it was based like when he got money and he would get pumped up and he'd always pay. And he had to do, uh, uh, I think it was 100 push-ups or whatever. Uh, maybe it was less. Oh, 20. No, he had to do 20 push-ups. That's what it was. 20 push-ups. So he's like uh, for 10 grand. And so we clear the floor in the middle of uh, the commerce casino and he's like one two three four five six and he's cruising right i'm just like oh man I'm i think fucked. i was there yeah uh, i think you might have been and yeah. he gets to 16 and he's cruising and i'm like fuck and now all of a sudden he gets to 17 and he's slowing up 
and he gets to 18. And I'm like, this is funny because I'm like, he only has to do two. And he struggles to 19. And he needs to do one more. And he gets all the way down and he gets halfway and he fucking dies and falls at 19 and a half. And it was probably the funniest thing I've ever seen in my poker life. Uh, so I beat him out of 10,000. And uh, but it was just epic. Well, he that, had to be there. That's crazy. That's not even how many push-ups, Mikey. Twenty. Twenty. Wow. You know, but if you remember JRB, you know how JRB used to be. So uh, I just didn't think he could do twenty. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even back. Then, I bet you I, I could, could do. do I, I bet you I could do the two three hundred push-ups right now for ten thousand. I, I bet you I could do two. I said, hey, no. we got I you on video. Hey, we have you on video for everybody. Let me see how much you can yeah. do. Hold on. Let's start the clock. Hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. How Don't many see. can I do? Wait, we want to. I'm going to put on a, a clock. Hold on. We're going to do on a stopwatch. We're going to give you one minute. So everybody out there want to see how many push-ups Mike can do in one minute. Let me know. What do you guys think? I just, okay. I just trained today. Okay, but hold I'll, on. I'll do it oh, again. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here, let me get my stop. What's the over on, under on that? Stopwatch is on. Okay, Mike, you have one on, minute. Uh, one minute? One minute. Everybody's keeping track. Uh, Mr. Editor Danny, you tell me how many he does. Ready, tell me, one. Tell me when to start. Ready, set, go. Two, he passed JRB in 19 seconds. Keep going. Go. 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 How many is he up to? 30. That's one per second. That's amazing. This is great. Oh that was God. quick 40. That was 40, 40, 40. Okay. Stop so you 40. did 40 in 36 seconds. Pretty amazing, Mike. All right. Let's hear it from Mike. Yeah. Now, do you guys want to see how many push-ups I could do in 36 seconds? Um, the answer is... I'm going to go with nine. I'm going to go with one, maybe two. One? Listen, I what? have not. I have not done. Uh, first of all, my back just got healthy, and I'm not going to try and then hurt myself. I got to go in slowly, but I could probably do. I'm going to be honest. I think I could do five, maybe yeah, five thirty. But seconds. I'm not. But no, in like a minute. <laughs> oh yeah, thirty seconds. Why don't you just plank? What's that? Just do a plank. Yeah, I can do plank, plank ones. I do the ones uh, I just recently started working out a little bit, you know, where uh, my trainer kind of helped me from, from an upward position, which strengthens you a little bit. But, uh, no, uh, I'll bet you by the next World Series uh, I'll be able to, hopefully. But I'm, not, I'm just happy to be out of pain, and uh, so uh, that's all that matters. All right, so uh, we're going to pick up yeah. one more phone call or – we good. We good. Mike, you have to go. 
Yeah, then my friends are calling because he's yeah. going to pick me up. All right. So we're going to jump off the phone. We're going to say our goodbyes to Mike, the grinder, Mizrachi. Uh Mike, anything else uh, you want to plug for yourself? Uh, no, not really. I'm just going to go. I'm actually going to go ahead to uh, – I'm leaving New Jersey next week to, for the fight, and I'm heading to Russia for the 88 tournament in Sochi. So I'm excited about that. It might be my first time in Russia, and then – yeah, I'm looking forward to a nice trip, a nice vacation, and uh, say hi to Sarah, everybody. Yes, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Put Sarah, Sarah on video. Look at. Look no, she at, can't hear you because I have the headphones on. Yeah, you but. Want to put, well, should I put the headphones on? But every, put the headphones on yeah, there? we got it. That's Mike's fiance. We know she's hot. Hey, hold on. Say, but she's nice. Say hi to Sarah. She. Hi, Sarah. Yeah. Hey, Mikey. How What's are you? What's up, Sarah? I'm a long time no see. I mean, I kept asking Mikey all summer, where's Sarah? She's in Florida. I go, how could she be in Florida? You guys are inseparable. <laughs> but then no, I guess we're you were not. there. we're not. Anymore. You're not inseparable anymore? <laughs> well, that's what happens when you get engaged. You become uh, not inseparable. <laughs> <laughs> this so, is awesome. You're like perfect to do a podcast. Yeah. So much to talk about. We do. We do. We have a lot to talk about. We have fun on here. And... Uh, you know that's uh, you know that's what we do. Make sure, make sure to get all the juicy stories from Michael. He's yeah, Mike, been doing this for way too long. Mike, yeah. she wanted to let everybody know she played the World Series. Of- oh yeah, Mike, I played my event. first event this summer, the tag team. Event. She actually joined Danny Milwaukee team and John Racer. John Racer, yeah. And, then and she happened to be on my table, so we actually played against each other, and I lasted literally four minutes. Mm-hmm. I got uh, in good. Came Jack eight rag. I had Jack eight. The guy called me on with ten. It's turn ten. Yeah, story of my life. You know, no limit to hold them. People never fold. So she, she she actually tripled up for Danny Nwam. Yeah, she I had did. I'm surprised. I won three, uh, three out of my four hands I played. I'm yeah. Su- I'm surprised, Mike, you know, you haven't uh, taught her poker by now, you know, for the extra income. Since she had a really great high-paying job when she met you <laughs> and fucking you corrupted her. And uh, now she's stuck depending on your income which uh we know how that goes up and down he corrupted uh, my whole life he did no, i warned you sarah i said sarah I'm run ability i can't do that roller coaster i know i told you to run but you fell in love and once you did i, sh- I know I what, what once you fall in love <laughs> it's kind of all over you know then you're at the well you know how that goes but uh, when you weren't here all summer mikey I asked, are you guys okay? <laughs> okay. I was worried. Oh, no, we're perfect. Everything's great. And I was like, because you guys never went anywhere together. But, I was you know, there like three weeks out of the World Series. Yeah, the last three so weeks. I had fun. I, didn't I had even a good know. time. I didn't even know. You know, he's, Mike's too good for me now. You know, he doesn't care about me anymore. You know, he's in the. I know. He's getting nasty. And yeah. You, well, you know, that's what they do. <laughs> when they get, you know, when they get pumped up and get a little money, they just, they forget who we are, you know? Sarah, you know how it is, man. We have to do. We love Mikey. And, uh. Yeah, we do. But my girl, uh, Jerry, she has to deal with the same bullshit, you know? Even. Uh, yeah. But the she only. She knows the life. Yeah, she knows the life, but she hasn't figured it out yet after six years. I'm like, um. Everything's the same as it was six years ago. Um, yeah, you have to. I always tell people like you have to fully accept it. Yeah, and don't you can't try to understand it. Just accept it for what it is, and that's it. Because it's going to be too challenging. Exactly. 
Exactly. So, you know, my girl says, Jerry says, what, you're 51 years old. When are you going to grow up? And I said, uh, 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 never. Uh, I told you that when you <laughs> met me. I told you that when you met me. Uh, so I'm not uh, mm -hmm. going to change. And uh, I don't think your mic is growing up anytime soon either. So, yeah, uh, pretty much. Uh, so the, go. Let me say bye to everybody. Yeah. All right, Mike. I love you, Sarah. Take good care. talking to you. Good seeing you. Take yes. care. All right. All right. Well, Mike, I appreciate you coming on my first live episode of the mouthpiece. Ooh. And um, I appreciate it. I'm, gl I'm glad to be a part of it, brother. Thanks for inviting me. I will. And uh, go win some money tonight and uh, stay safe, buddy. Yeah, I'm tired of holding white receipts. Time to bring some green, baby. Let's go. That's it. Green, green, green. Green's coming in. You got it. Right, you heard guys, it. Take care. Take care, buddy. All right, bud. All right. Th thanks, Mikey. You got Bye -bye. it, buddy. All right, guys. So um, there we go. Uh, we expected it to be two hours, our first live podcast, and it's two hours and 25 minutes, which is fine. We had two guests on. We got to hear a lot of different perspectives. And you got a good idea of what my last five or six weeks have been like. So, with that in mind, again, we will be playing live tomorrow on Poker Go. It starts 2 p.m. Pacific, which on a 30-minute delay, it'll be 5.30 Eastern, 2.30 uh, Pacific. I'll be playing with... Uh, Randall Emmett tomorrow, uh, Dario Sarmartini, and I don't know how to pronounce the guy who won the main event, but they each won $16 million and we're playing $25.50, no limit. So it should be a big game that plays big, and hopefully I'll make a lot of money. So this is Mike the Mouth Matasso for Greg Fossilman Raymer and Mike the Grinder Mizrachi. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast, and we'll see you next week on the Mouthpiece.